Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Super Show podcast. It's episode number 89. Wow, we almost at 100, just 11 short weeks to go. I'm your host, Jamie, and joining me, um, well, it's going to be a bit of a lonely episode, but we'll try our hardest to to fill the room and make as much noise as we can. Jonesy, you're here. I'm here, yes. Well, I was say as always, but I, I'd, uh, I'd won off a couple of weeks ago. It's holiday season, Jamie. That the, is the thing. The, that's the funny going thing on. is, is it's basically not holiday season should actually be ending. It's September. This should be where we're going full on rigorous every week. We're all here, and yet we've all decided to take time off and, and in some cases, fly around the world. Chris is an absolute wild card. He's played so much um, of uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey that he felt the need to go to Greece and s- yes. sail around some of those islands. Exactly. So, yeah. In fact, yes, yeah, specifically, he's going to spend as little time as possible actually on land, and he's just sailing from island to island in a map that's uh, needlessly big. He's apparently going to spend 70 hours going around, unsure exactly what he's doing, and then he's going to come home and rent it, rate it an 8 out of 10 IGN. It's the only reason, he, only reason he's gone there. No other reason. I'm sure he's listening to us, though. I'm sure he's got his trotters up. The sun's out. I hope it's sunny in Greece right now, anyway. He's probably got some exotic drink on his left and some pita bread on his right. Um, and I hope he's enjoying himself. Chris, if you're listening, hello, and uh, I love you. Uh, this is a full-on declaration of love. I feel a bit embarrassed doing it on a podcast, but if you can't do it on a podcast in 2021, Jonesy, where can you declare love? This is true. It's the only place to declare love now. I think it should be a rule that you can only get, get married on a podcast. Say, do you think we've had a podcast proposal yet? We must have. Oh, yeah, we must have done. Yeah, for sure. Because if not, that's Super Show Territory 101. We can have the first ever podcast proposal the first ever podcast marriage think of i know I actually, there's a couple of couples that listen to the podcast who've told us in the past and i don't know if they're i don't know if they're married or if they're just together wouldn't it be amazing if one of them contacted us and said could you do this thing where you announce like an engagement you know oh. i will ask my partner to marry me and then we'll listen to it together and then at the, that moment I would, yeah. do, I would absolutely love that. And if that sounds like the kind of thing that you are crazy enough to do, then you can reach out to us and let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, you can get involved in the comments down below and let us know why. And I do specifically want reasons why you think we would be the perfect people to announce um, a marriage or a proposal for marriage, if the case may be. And if you don't want to do it on YouTube, you can head over to Twitter, for example, at SuperShowPod is the handle to visit. You can send us a DM. Again, it doesn't have to be marriage-related, Chris is quite lonely. He checks it regularly for human contact. And if you just want to reach out and say hello, I'm sure he'd be very appreciative. Um, but we're not really a love and a marriage and a connections-related podcast, although I'm sure if we pivoted into that, we'd somehow get more views than we currently do on YouTube. We're actually a gaming podcast, Jonesy. Um, we are. Believe it or not. That means we talk about games, we play games, and then discuss our opinions on them. We keep up with the gaming news, and we've got all kinds of gaming news coming up for you later on in the show. We're going to be talking about that big, hefty, hefty NVIDIA leak, and whether or not we can actually learn anything from it. We're going to be talking about some of the fallout from the PlayStation Showcase, including whether or not Thor is meant to be fat, um, and take it from a fat guy. I think he is, spoiler alert. And we're going to be talking about all of those delays. One of Jonesy's most anticipated games of 2021, now no longer a game coming out in 2021. Um, hey, if, uh, you could have stopped after no, now no longer a game, so at least this oh, is still a year actually, attached to it. Was it ever a game, really? Was it ever? Probably well, I don't know. Not. When you first saw it back in 2018 or whatever, and you walked over the swank bag, I remember looking at the logo and saying, that's never coming out. Anyway, all of that and more. And if you want to hear us talking about all of those news stories, then stay tuned. If you're watching on YouTube, keep watching. Hit that like button. 
And you can also catch us on podcasting platforms of your choice. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts. And if you don't want to listen to us on demand, if you want the feeling of live podcast blood coursing through your veins, then the closest thing you can get to experiencing that is listening to us on Paisley Radio. The link for that is paisleyradio.com. You can tune in Thursdays at 10 p.m. GMT. We're repeated once again on Monday. That link, once again, paisleyradio.com. If you want to hear us, the very own internet radio porn stars, I think the last time I did this is where we arrived at. Um, That's the link. Those are the times. So, um... So check it out. Jonesy, why don't we dive in with a little bit of a, a comment of the week? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what. Sometimes we bring a new story forward and talk about it early, but in the document we used to plan out, we didn't do it. So fuck it. We're going rogue already. Um, and this one you've picked out, it's from Timmy Boo. Timmy Boo? How would you pronounce that? Uh, I'd probably say Timmy Boo. Timmy Boo. That makes I it sound so. a little bit more American. Like, Timmy Boo sounds like someone from Kansas. Timmy Bew, Timmy, yeah, I suppose so. Timmy Bew. Timmy Bew. This comes in from Timmy. They say, I, in all honesty, cannot fathom how you guys are not one of the top gaming podcasts. Jonesy, how have you picked out this one? Why are we always uh, patting ourselves on the back with these bloody comments of the week? <laughs> no, it's not. It's the opposite. I thought we needed a little bit of a feel good because the you know, views are down. Oh, right. Okay. ships down. I thought, let's pep ourselves up. Let's That's give ourselves idea, some actually. positive affirmations. They say the best podcasts are the ones recorded with smiles on the faces of the podcasters. Um, (laughs) And Timmy continues, every single episode since the first one has been entertaining. I don't know how, I don't know any other podcast I could say that about. I think what we can learn from this, Jonesy, if nothing else, is that Timmy doesn't listen to any other podcasts. That's the only rational conclusion I can, uh, I can arrive at. But Timmy, I love you. Thank you so much for this comment. Thank Uh, you, Timmy. We try, we try, every week we show up and we try and entertain, so thank you very much for being here with us. Here we are, we're still going, 20 to 10 on a Thursday night, nothing can stop us now. And um, and yeah, I like your thoughts, Jonesy. Thank you to Timmy and thank you to all the lovely people who leave very nice comments for us on YouTube. We do read them, even if we don't always respond. And um, and it means a lot. Do you know what else means a lot though, Jonesy? Oh, what? It's the support that people show us over on patreon.com forward slash super show. That's right. The podcast you're currently listening to is a Patreon supported show. Um, and we wouldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to keep the lights on and keep the red lights on our mics if it weren't for the uh, the gracious support of our, um, our loving patrons. I don't know. I feel bad calling them loving. They might not actually like us. Like we might have some spite patrons. But like, I fucking hate oh. these guys. I like that. Maybe it's their kink. You know how some people, like, they want to sit in the corner of the womb while their wife gets fucked by a black guy? Like, maybe it's like the Patreon version of that, where it's like, I've got to give these guys money even though I don't like them, because that's my kink. I'm getting humiliated by my hate for the the podcast. We could do a whole show. Like, I would love to do a show where we branched out and we talked about, uh, like, I find some of those things so interesting. Like, people that just want to be shamed. Yeah. Like, what... That's um, it's, that's so interesting. To me. Like I, I, I don't know how sordid we can get uh, because we're meant to be talking about video games. But there is a a high profile. I'm going to be careful about this. Actually, a fairly high profile UK based influencer who I will say up front is not in the gaming scene. So if you're looking at you know gaming figures, you're not going to find him. Um, but he had uh, direct messages that he had shared with uh, someone else leaked onto the internet. 
and they reveal some of his kinks, which I'm not here to shame because kink shaming is against the rules, 2021. But one of the things that he wanted to do is be humiliated by having sex with someone after they had sex with someone who had a much bigger penis so that he could actively feel how much smaller he was than the person who went before him. But okay, but at least that that is odd. But at least he's getting some, right? At least in that <laughs> fantasy, he's getting True. some. True. The, some of them, like the, the one of the ones I find the sort of the strangest is like the financial domination stuff, where you know people will say, "Give me your give me your credit card number." Like I'm oh, going right. to spend your money. Like, do you know what it is? It's because I don't have any money. So like, for me, that's insane. Yeah. But maybe if I was like a millionaire, if I just if I was rolling in it, I wouldn't be as um. I'd be like, oh yeah, I love it when they spend my money. Like, you'd be a tier three Pokemon sub. Is that what you're saying? Oh, don't. I d- I'm sure. I I'm sure. It's just me, but I don't get that. Wait, you I, don't get the thing you were talking about before, like being financially no, 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 the, the, or something specifically. On Specifically, like simping for Pokey, I don't like. She seems fine, but I don't. Is she like a particularly like attractive online streamer? Um, she. I, I, maybe it's just my taste. One. Maybe it's my taste. She looks a little. There's a. Oh, I don't want to be mean now because she's not. <laughs> she's not like. She's not unattractive, but there's. She reminds me of a uh, a soap star that we had here in the UK, who was okay. a famously unattractive woman and there's she shares some attributes not saying she's Ooh, the, as bad but they should I'd, i'm i'll have to send you a picture after but yeah i've never i've never seen it send me a picture and send me your critique i want a detailed breakdown of of what you like and don't like about pokemane's appearance but then, but then it's, i guess it's not just looks right it's not just how attractive they are maybe it's other no. things as well and no, I've, i don't follow her so maybe she's maybe she's a thoroughly enthralling streamer i've heard that she's a ruthless businesswoman and uh, I know that that, uh, there you go. that some people are attracted to that. Um, Maybe that's why. That said, I don't know what attracts anyone to us, um, but I can say with some certainty that I'm pretty sure we don't have simp's. If you're amongst the names that I'm about to read, we're not. You're not a simp. You're not. There's not like it's not like a tier three subscription to the Super Show thing. It's Patreon. It's loving. It's caring. It's kindness. It's support. And that's why we thank you. Can I read some names, Jonesy? Indeed. Go for Let's it. Let's do it. This week we've given particular thanks and shout-outs to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, Jovella Cujo, Leo Merger, Lonnie Thompson, Magic Ritz, Mindful Pig, Nathan <laughs> Pierce, part of the 0.24%, if you know, you know, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, Starfield Kid, Zach Cream, and in the Big Dogs, the Head Honchos, Shellshock, Doppler, Hacksaw Bookread, Manuel Guerrero, no nicknames time, The Dude Abides, and twitch.tv forward slash peaswad, who I assume is still a shirtless fat man in a coconut bra. His words, not mine. So I'm not shaming him. I'm not in a position to. Thank you all so much. And Josie, do you know one thing I like about our Patreon list? What's that? Is that because we've got so many familiar faces and familiar names in there who have supported us for a long time, for which we're very grateful, and thank you very much, you get used to kind of like a candor of reading out their names. <laughs> and it's right. it feels like you're almost doing like a rap verse, like... um like was that was spitting some al- lyrics? Yeah, like is it the alphabet aerobics or something where they go through? Oh, every- I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I've seen Daniel Radcliffe do it on. Oh yeah, Jimmy Kimmel there or whatever it is. Yeah, well, like Jimmy Fallon, a Jimmy show, a Jimmy show. Do you know what? Not to get sidetracked too quickly, but I watched a clip from a Jimmy show this week. For some reason, I got an Andrew Garfield uh, sh- uh, clip uh, recommended wow, to me. I know he was doing promotion for. 
can't remember if it's a play or a movie, but something that seemed very serious that no one in the audience or this particular Jimmy was actually interested in. He kept him insisting that he'd watched it and loved it. And I was thinking, you do not have time to watch shit like that. You're lying through your teeth. But obviously the reason they got him on there was they wanted to press him about Spider-Man questions and then use right. that as a clickbaity YouTube title, which I inevitably fell for. But I'd forgotten, and I think it's got to be... I think it's got to be Fallon, not Kimmel. I'd forgotten how, 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 how ungenuine. What's the lack of? What's that word I'm looking for? Something that's not genuine, ungenuine, ingenuine. Oh, yeah. A lack of in- genuinity, genuine, genuineness. In ingenuity, Inge- ingenious. He's an in- ingenious, <laughs> ingenious Jimmy Fallon. Oh, no, I'm gonna have to look it up. Ungenuine, genuine. That's really gonna bug me. We've probably got some scholars, and in fact, I know we've got some writers in our midst who are probably screaming at their devices or screens right now as we have to find out what the opposite oh, of genuine is. Disingenuous. Disingenuous. I love that's like my fa- one of my favorite words as well. But I, it's weird because I wouldn't Evidently. have said. I just typed in uh, opposite of genuine. It says disingenuous, but I always think of disingenuous as being a little bit different because it's like tricksy. You're doing it on purpose. <laughs> See, I think I think, I think there there's another. Only, we need another word. For, I think. I, I know. I, I, for the sake of moving on, though, I, I think di- I will stick with disingenuous <laughs> for now. That that Jimmy Fallon character, like, I almost found it distracting how the people who were sat opposite him, or in this case on the webcam opposite him, could keep a straight face. It was like this oh, guy wow. obviously has no interest in you or your work. He's fake laughing at everything you say. You know. He's setting up questions that you've already been told to prepare for with bad stories. Like the whole process is just weird. And like the idea that, and I know some of the people in the past, like um, David Letterman and Carson and stuff like that have been sort of like revered and become very important parts of that, like American subculture. But the idea that anyone now thinks like, oh, it's Friday night, get home from work, get Fallon on the big screen. Like that, that can't be a thing, right? Same with Corden. Like these guys, oh, I, I can't must, stand Corden. They must just exist on social media now. Like no one watches them on TV, right? Do you know what's funny? It's, it was I always find funny is I always think of those shows, the Jimmy shows, and uh, Colbert is it and Colbert, um, yeah. uh, Corden as being like the pinnacle of like late night talk talk shows. But yeah. actually, I do you know what I get suggested a lot of on YouTube, and I I do watch quite a few. Is um, Graham Norton? He's chatting. Because I actually really like how he is with his guests, and it seems like they. He, I don't find him disingenuous. I find him more as like he's there to crack a few jokes, and to sort of just have a good time. And I don't ever like sometimes he's up here. You know, he'll say, "Oh, you know, what's this about you?" But he never comes across like it's him going, "I know everything about you." Like he's yeah. not that guy. He just he's obviously there to have a bit of a laugh, a bit of banter. But yeah, some of those other the Jimmies and Corden and stuff, I find them to be a little bit like. Me too. And like struggle I, I, to watch it. I almost kind of want to like like an extended question or propose a question to anyone listening. Like, especially if you live stateside, are these tonight shows or whatever they're called in their various iterations still considered a staple of American TV, or are they just these things that seem to exist on YouTube now that everyone acknowledges that no one really watch? It's kind of the same way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, like they don't really get watched. Yeah, I don't know if you have the same thing, but again, being not from the US. I have the same relationship with SNL, which I totally recognize it as being an important part of TV comedy through the 70s and 80s and launching the careers of so many people. But like, are there people out there? And this is not a demeaning question. It's a genuine question who think, shit, Saturday, 
got to get home in time for SNL. <laughs> like, it's a w- the guy with a weird big, bulgy eyes is, uh, with the weird disease and the pale skin from that one Judd Apatow movie is doing an impression again. I, I think SNL's weird because I think you're right. Like, it seems like online, individual skits can take off. And especially the monologues. Like, I remember it wasn't a long ago Bill Burr did a monologue and everyone was talking about mm. Bill Burr's monologue from the beginning of SNL. But I tried to watch an episode of it because we get it on TV over here now. Like, I don't know if do we? America's... We do. It's, it's, I can't remember what channel it's on. It's on a Sky channel. And I tried to watch it and it was, like, unwatchable. It wasn't... I just found none of it funny at all. It was it was just painful. Like, it was just bad. Yeah. Um, and I, I... Yeah, and it kind of blew my mind because I thought... I thought this was, like, supposed to be the pinnacle of comedy but no oh well but yeah. some of it's great like some of like you said some of it in the past has launched the careers of the biggest comedians in the world and it's been incredible but I would, yeah. going back to the the late night shows though um we have to give a shout out to norm mcdonald this week who That's right. passed away um because one thing i do love about those uh, late night shows is when people like manage to subvert it and just mess with the formula and I must say Norm Macdonald was one of my favourite comedians for going on those shows and just like having a laugh and just talking through the bullshit and yeah. he just seemed to be there to have a good time and I was like that a bit in the same not in, to the same degree but similar way like Bill Burr just goes on and is like totally rips them apart for being like what is this like what are you talking about What? why are you holding that little card why? and he kind of throws them off and I think Norm Macdonald was quite good at just being weird enough that they never quite knew what he was doing or where he was going. Yeah. So there's some great Shout clips of. Um, I like. I think Conan O'Brien is a good one of those kind of late night guys. And there's some mm. great clips of Norm uh, leaving Conan very unsure where some of his long winded uh, jokes are going. Um, right. Yes. Usually, um, usually all very funny. So, and of course, Norm um, SNL alumni as well. He did the weekly update, or whatever it's called. I forget. I, do you know what? Today I was watching Norm Macdonald clips from SNL where he was um, Burt Reynolds in uh, oh, right. the Jeopardy, where Will Ferrell does was he wear a big hat? Alex Trebek. He does. He wears a big hat. Yeah. yeah. So that's been good seeing a lot of that stuff pop up. Yeah, sort of, I, I do. It's weird, but I like that when someone like that passes away and then everyone online says like, hey, let's remember how awesome this person was. It happened recently in the UK with Sean Locke, who's another comedian who died. Yeah, God, yeah. I, I ended up watching Sean Locke clips for like a week just to like that dude being hilarious. So Yeah, no, I same thing. I don't even necessarily watch or enjoy a lot of the shows that he would end up being on. Like, um, is it 8 out of 10 cats and on and all of that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, and they like, do, does countdown and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. but I, again, like, when all those clips are popping off and it's all getting... You know, shared around. It's kind of hard not to to indulge and to uh, remember remember the good times, Jonesy. <laughs> Indeed. Um, speaking of remembering good times, did you record any good times this week? Perhaps playing video games. I did. Do you know what? I dabbled a bit. I think um, I was I was moved to play a game uh, on Xbox Game Pass by you last week that we were oh. talking about, which was um, the Artful Escape. Which, you know what, I picked up, played, and finished in one week, which is almost unheard of for me. So um, good I was very happy. Yeah, I was happy that I got that done. Um, it's a, And, it, you know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was a uh, an experience, definitely. Like, That's it's, a good word for it. it. It's one of those strange ones. Like we've joked around before about how much of a game... How how much do you have to have a game be a game like that you're playing and you're interacting and it kind of gets a weird conversation where like you know when's it interactive story when is it a game 
the Artful Escape is is definitely one of the. It definitely feels like a game. Don't get me wrong. It feels like an art, like a side scroll, um, a side scrolling platformer. But I definitely realized like three quarters of the way through that there was zero challenge. Um, I think the yeah. only time that I'd failed like a jump or whatever was when I was actively just not paying attention and was looking because I was just holding down D on my keyboard to run and was like looking over to the side and I ran in a hole and was like, oh, you can die. Um, but no, a very cool game, an experience for sure. There's the sound, the visuals, I think, as you said last week, are very, they're impressive. They're, they are something to experience. Um it made me think of Bill and Ted so much as well. Like you just pull out your guitar and, and it's great. And I'm, I really enjoyed how they sort of created actually feel like it's, it's such a short game. It felt like, felt like a very big world that they managed to create with a lot going on. Um, striking visuals as well. Like that strange puppet sort of 2d, um, like animation that I think we all saw when the game trailered and then to actually get into it. And you, I think you said it's much more of a, to call it 2.5D is almost like a bit unfair because it's some that game when it sort of expands and lets you see everything that's going on, it is impressive to like, you know, just take it all in, the art direction and how well um, that game was put together. But so I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I thought it was very cool. Um, the uh, My only criticism would be that almost that they could have included some more gameplay mechanics and I yes. don't think it would have um, hurt the game. I'm sure there's there's an issue um, when you're because I so I read about it, I think it was is it Johnny Galvatron is was the guy who made the company um, Beethoven and Dinosaur I think it was who made the game he is from the Galvatrons which is a band but he studied like media and video games and all of that sort of stuff so he's obviously music first and then made this game but I it was weird it almost left me thinking how cool a sequel would be if somebody came to him and said, we loved the first one, we Mm. want to take that to another level and we want to make it harder, like make the story a little bit more, uh, we couldn't go more crazy with the story, but just expand the story a bit and maybe give it a little bit more of um, a video game narrative. Um, But yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, there will be a short video review popping up on my channel at some point. I made, I made that today just to sort of stretch my editing fingers and have a little play around. And that's a uh, Super Show Jonesy for the folks at home if they just look that up on YouTube, right? On YouTube, yeah, Super Show Jonesy. Um, yeah. yeah, I tried to squeeze a video review into one minute and I managed, so that will uh, pop up on the shorts at some point. I look um, forward to seeing it. Luckily, it's a game that you can do it with because it's you know you can kind of cram everything you need to say about it in a relatively short amount of time yeah um the only other thing i've been playing this week is uh god of war which after ragnarok and a little bit of a tease mm. it, it was strange so seeing that on the playstation um whatever your experience what you want to call it did make me think wow they've really gone for the hey it looks this it looks very similar to god of war this is a continuation this isn't like a a whole new thing and then it made me think like, do you know what? I never platinumed God of War. I could go back and I could actually get a whole load of trophies and I could go back into that world and play around and do some more of the fighting and stuff. So I've been dipping my toes back in there and trying to get some of those uh, achievements mopped up. And I've got some time to do it because it's not... I've got two years before uh, Ragnarok well, comes out. So let's not get ahead of it. We don't know that. Well, come on. I've got, I've got, I've got my own my own hunches, my own theories. How, okay. how, how have you found it Like going back? Because I know sometimes jumping back into a game like that, especially one where 
in the game's eyes, you finish the story, but there's more to do, which is something, right. a bridge I kind of had to consider whether or not I was going to cross with Ghost of Tsushima uh, sort of a month or two ago. Uh, how have you found sort of like getting back into the rhythm of that combat, especially as you, I don't know, you might be coming across sort of like late game or end game enemies and so on and so forth. I don't know if you're going after Valkyries and stuff. Like, has it been tricky to throw yourself back into the midst of that? I per- So I've only got two Valkyries left to fight and I purposefully haven't fought them because the reason I didn't uh, finish those two Valkyries last time was because I couldn't. Like I'd, I had, I fought them a few times and it was one where like, I just, and I was like, okay, I need to level up. I need to do more about, you know, um, get better armor or do whatever I needed to do. And I didn't get around to doing it. And I've got a few other things that I needed to accomplish anyway. So I thought I'll go back, do that. The getting the missed echoes and like Niflheim and stuff and trying to, uh, cause I haven't done the tears that are in that area. I don't know, but you know, people probably don't remember what all that stuff's about, but there's three tears in like space where you have to go and open them up and pull the enemies out and fight them and sort of to close them. But in order to open each one, you've got to get 20,000 missed echoes, which means you've got to go and do the, um, uh, Is it the maze? It? Yeah. It's the, like the dungeon stuff. So you've got to go through where it always changes every time and you've got to fight loads of people and getting back into that combat and fighting. I hated the wolves, the werewolf things in the first, the first time round, mm. and they are everywhere. And it's like those and the dark elves that blind you and stuff. Oh, it's yeah. always like this. All the hardest enemies are in there. And it, it took me a while, man. I'm going to be honest. Like, it wasn't fun. <laughs> I, was, I had to stop yeah. at one point and remind my, like, look up the controls. Because I was like, am I, how do I switch to my blades? Like, I couldn't remember how to switch to the blades. Um, but no, it's been all right. It's, it's taken me about 20 minutes or so to get back into it. But no, no, I'm doing it right now. Okay. And yeah, that game still looks and feels great, so... Yeah. Did it ever yeah. get any kind of PlayStation 5 support? I think it got some kind of patch, right, that let it run uh, like more consistently at 60 frames a second. I can't really I don't remember. know, actually. I'm, I'm not sure. So I, I own it, but I just downloaded it off of the... Um, yeah. The back at the you know, I think it's play. one of the like because there are a few titles like um Days Gone and Ghost of Shima prior to the director's cut and The Last of Us Part Two actually quite recently that got patches for the PS4 versions that sort of like acknowledged the PlayStation 5 hardware and let it run at slightly better or at least more consistent frame rate. But then I can't remember there was different stuff where like games that launch with a performance or a quality mode as it was, um. I'm pretty sure you can play God of War at 60 on a PS5 now. I'm pretty sure. No, so yeah, you're right. I'm just I'm just checking. So the um, uh, they did an update, which means that you can play it at 60 frames a second, okay. um, whereas you couldn't do that before, or you had to, you could, but it was like a weird workaround. There you go. Um, I tell you what, though, that would be weird if Ragnarok runs at 30. People will have to be very careful <laughs> doing their second playthroughs of God of War 2018 back to back with Ragnarok because that's right. gonna will make Ragnarok feel like shit. <laughs> It will, yeah, yeah. It'll be a horrible thing to sort of slide back into. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty surprised if they didn't give you the option um, like they do nowadays with, uh, you know, 60 frames a second or uh, slightly better or ray tracing and all that sort of, sort of stuff turned out. Unless, you're, uh, unless your life is strange, apparently, which is uh, the, uh, generated some controversy this week for being locked at 30, it seems, even on next-gen hardware. Because I it's such a, w- a pixel pusher. I was going to weird. I had a weird issue with the Artful Escape. Uh, when it comes to frame rate, which is my frame rate absolutely tanked. Was it at um, certain random bits? The, yeah, one set. So it's just one section. Um, actually, no, sorry, two sections. It was. Can I can I guess them? Yeah, for sure. The escape from the big golden city, where it's yes. like it's being run by the editor of fashion, 
Um, not not the not even the escape. It was just going in. So going the in. whole the whole section. And then I had it again without spoiling too much. I had it with the final encounter of the game. Uh, yeah. When you move when you move too far to the right or left of the stage. Yes, exactly the same place okay. for me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I was running it on like high settings in 4K, um, and it was. And I, I, that's always an issue. Like, so my, I've got a good graphics card, but if you try and push anything to 4K high settings, I don't, you know, whatever, like it's always going to have issues when it's like a, a, a good looking game. And so I had to, I had to drop it down to 1080. Um, and then it was fine. I, but Interesting. Because I assumed they were bugs because that second one, especially, you can literally get it to snap from what feels like 15 to 20 frames a second to what feels like a hundred in the space of like, you know, moving a, what looks like a, to a few feet in in-game terms. Oh, okay. So I assumed it was a bug and kind of ignored it, but then so again, I, do, yeah, I recorded some footage earlier specifically um, so that I could upload it for the short. And I didn't have it the first time around because I'd played it in because I'd switched down to 1080 so that, for that previous section, like escaping ah. the city. And it and it all ran super smooth. And it was only when I went back and because then I did a chapter select thing where I'd left it on 4K and everything was fine, except then I went to that end section and then it was chugging like anything. Um, so yeah, for me, it was, it was just those two sections, but, um, yeah, but, but then, uh, cause then I was like, what the heck? This is a, this is a platformer, a side scrolling platformer. Then like, yeah. well, hold on. There's actually a lot of lighting going on and there's lots of like, I guess, particle effects and there's like lots of characters and things and For it's sure. all pretty crazy. So yeah. A lot of layers and elements to those, uh, to those visuals. Indeed. Um, anything else on your list? Any movies? Any TV shows? Do you know what? I wasn't going to mention it because I've mentioned it weirdly recently so much, and I fo- but I will briefly because I finally got hold of a copy. Not it didn't take me that long of the Long Kiss Goodnight, which I couldn't. Okay, yeah, I couldn't stream. You can't stream it in the UK. Like it wasn't on At any all. streaming platform. No, I couldn't you get mean it on like Prime. A, you mean you couldn't even buy it on a streaming platform? I couldn't even buy it on a streaming wow, platform. That's pretty uncommon. Which is weird, and so that I always find that quite intriguing. I mean, maybe there's one I missed, but I couldn't. I, just, I was struggling to get it. So in the end, I bought it on um, uh, Amazon on Blu-ray. I nice. think it was like for seven quid, and it was oh, like next cool. day delivery. It was on Prime. The weirdly, the DVD was more expensive. On one place that I found, it was like fifty quid. But I guess that's because they just had like one is DVD it, left. Is this like a did someone? Is this like a an ET situation where? Someone dumped dumped all versions of the longest good night into a ditch somewhere, and I th- I think some I think one thing that happens is with these sorts of things. I think some suppliers, if they only have like a couple of copies left of something, they ramp the price right up like automatically. I don't think they do it. I think it's like an algorithm thing because they're like, well, there's one left, so we're going to sell it for fifty quid. Uh, so the but the Blu-rays obviously ubiquitous. They they didn't have that problem. Um, but yeah, what watch that? My wife had never seen it, and she she uh, likes Samuel L. Jackson, and so I said, oh yeah, let's let's have a watch of this. Um, and she did say mm. that she didn't have the nostalgia that I obviously had for it. <laughs> Fair, yeah. having seen it a long time ago, like Jesus, I must have seen it the first time about twenty years ago, uh, probably like not long after it came out. Um, and but she but she enjoyed it. But she said it was good. Okay, and she actually read some of the lines because what made her say she wanted to see it was she read some I'd said about it. She was like, I don't think I've ever seen that. She read some of the lines from the movie on IMDb, and she was like, Okay, that sounds like quite a cool movie. Should watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's very nineties uh, action. So, I mean, there's a time and a place for some of the best action films of all time are nineties still to this day. Um, but uh, the, all I'm wondering is that 
and obviously it's it's not quite as good a fit because obviously you, you feel positively about the film. But I know um, after your uh, thoughts on Snowpiercer a couple of weeks ago that the sort of the Jonesy's movie reviews corner of the podcast was a much desired and much asked for part of the show. Do you have any sort of like either polar bear or paedophilic sort of related hot takes that you can um, give us for, about the Long Kiss Goodnight? Or is it all too, have you got too much nostalgia nestled up for it? It's, oh, don't get me wrong. It's one of those films that you can watch and you can, as we were watching it, we were like laughing at like some of the stuff because it's kind of, you know something, stu- you know, it's one of those action movies where something's going to happen and it's going to be ridiculous. Like, for example, there's a scene where she fills a doll up with gasoline. Okay. And then uh, the way they escape is she, like, makes a hole under a door, tips the gasoline under a door, and then sets fire to it. And it's like, that was lucky that there were some exploding barrels immediately <laughs> positioned outside the door of the freezer that you were put in. Like... Is that that's but, almost like a video game trope? Convenient red barrels. It's a convenient red barrels, but but you know what? It's only those. It's those sorts of like um, action movie video game fare, which are to- which I think are so common that I don't think anyone's going to argue them. There were no okay. there were no like ludicrous polar bear. I was going to say so to conclude. Like, Samuel, Samuel L. Sections. Jackson's not getting mauled after the end credits roll. <laughs> he's not. He's not. It's okay. it's a much more you know, down the line sort of film where good, you know, happy ending, good things happen, bad guy bite that bite it sort of thing. There's no sort of like, it's this, the story's a bit like the story in general is not great. Like it's a weird kind of confused story, but it's just a medium to get the two characters who are very cool characters. Like Samuel L. Jackson actually said it's his favorite role that he's ever played. Um, really? Yeah. Which is, it is a wicked role. Like I, I really enjoy him in it. Uh, he's like this sort of dodgy, private detective comes con man but he yeah the role he in works really well it fits him really well but it's, it's a cool film if you want to see like a night's action movie and you haven't seen it check it out there you go well if you can find it that is you might have to buy the blu-ray it. of amazon by the sounds of things i think in america you can watch it on prime like you can get it on prime i think it's i, I th- did search for it and it came up on amazon in the states see, but i just couldn't watch it over here this is why i can't believe we haven't got a vpn sponsorship yet all these YouTubers out here sh- shilling, and here we are actually recommending people go to other Netflixes to watch yeah. movies. No sponsorship to show for it. Indeed. Nord, if you're listening, uh, DM us at Super Show Parties. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Patreon.com. No. Uh, but yeah. Um, but no, that's, that's, that's me done, mate. What have you been playing this week? I know you've been playing. So I've been uh, playing some old stuff. What have you been playing? <laughs> I've been playing some, some relatively new stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, like a decent variety. So I, because obviously I uh, had some time off um, and like wasn't here. Was I here last week? I can't even remember now. I was here you last were, week. You were not here the last week, week before. Yeah. But um, I was able in that time to play some Call of Duty Vanguard. I'll say quickly because I know one. I know that not everyone's particularly interested in in the latest and greatest that Call of Duty has to offer. And secondly, also I feel like Vanguard is in a lot of respects a bit of a. Uh, a known entity like uh, we kind of most people can take a pretty decent stab or a guess at what you're going to get and be largely right because sledgehammer's last game was also a world war ii game this is again a world war ii game it runs basically in that model warfare engine which kind of informs a lot of what it feels like what the guns feel like um at the time of recording ahead of this weekend uh they've had um a an alpha and a closed beta 
which I, I played both of them on the PS5. And it, like, it, yeah, it's solid. Um, it's nice to be able to jump back into those uh, World War II guns again after a couple of years off. Like, I feel like every gamer needs to hear the ping of an M1 Garand. Like every like two to three years, otherwise we kind of like lose our minds. There's got to be something <laughs> in there, as I'm sure. But you know, yeah, like. It, and it, it's interesting now that Call of Duty, after Modern Warfare especially, has moved into very much the kind of like the um, very heavy on attachments and how much you can customize guns and completely change their kind of their, their their usefulness for various situations and how versatile they are. It's been kind of interesting taking like the STG or the MP40 or the the Thompson uh, and as guns we're all very familiar with and just sort of like pimping the shit out of them to make them crazy different guns to what they were originally intended for. Um, but the the gameplay itself, uh, it feels fast. The time to kill feels quick. Um, there are a few nice engine tweaks, like uh, sort of like blind fire, and uh, there's a little bit more destructibility in the environment. Wood. They have decided that uh, this is the Call of Duty where wood can be destroyed, which means most maps are now filled with completely <laughs> arbitrary like wooden woods <laughs> that you can you can sprint through if you just sprint into them oh, you can wow. go through them like it's the fucking like the, whatever is it Colossus from X-Men <laughs> they've gone too far the other way yeah um, go from wood no, being ju- impenetrable sorry Juggernaut I should say not Colossus they're different ah uh, right um, but yeah I'd can you shoot through the wood you can shoot through the wood you can run through the wood you can melee right. through the wood um, yeah like there are some specific maps that are built like with wood that's designed to deteriorate over the course of the map. It's weird. Um, Did you get to play around with any of the, um, like the mantling climbing and that sort of. Yeah. That that stuff is all like familiar to anyone who's played, uh, played the 2019 modern warfare with the exception of there is like blind fire now. So uh, if you're kind of crouched behind cover or near the edge of a wall, you can kind of like uh, basically the equivalent of a slightly more accurate hip fire kind of around a wall or over cover. I haven't found that much useful for it, that much use for it, excuse me, in multiplayer though, just because the pace of it, like it sometimes feels a little bit weird to, like saying, I'm going to crouch behind this wall (laughs) is something that happens a lot in campaigns, doesn't work quite so well with, you know, fucking eight other jackasses on the map who are sprinting around at full speed and throwing grenades and stun grenades every two seconds. It's a bit like... Yeah. I always thought you're likely just to crouch behind a wall and then they'll just run around the wall and shoot you in the face as you're still trying to blind fire like where they used to be. Or like one millimetre of your head will be poking out from over it and that's all they need to fucking kill you in two seconds. So that stuff hasn't affected multiplayer too much yet for me. Um, There are a few problems as well, like footsteps and just audio in general felt a bit off. Visibility was something that a lot of the people I was playing with were complaining about. There's one snowy map, and there was one particular friend of mine who was just like, I can't see anyone. I just can't see anyone. So apparently those are things they've acknowledged. But yeah, Vanguard, World War II, Call of Duty shooter, go figure. It's, um, it's coming it's, out. It's, it's a thing, strange thing for me because nowadays, like Call of Duty is is primarily a single player. Like apart from Warzone, where I that I have now deleted, but um. Like, I don't ever pick up the multiplayer for those games. I, I like to play the single player ones. So that's one thing I'm always a little... I'm always more interested in how the single player is coming along for that. Obviously, there's not so we know yet. I'm always more worried, though, of Call of Duty. Like, I think they can live or die for me on little things that can make the the single player really good or really bad. But And I guess it almost feels like that they put some things in the single player because they want them in the multiplayer. 
that they know will play better, that kind of make it feel a little more odd in a campaign, which kind of makes sense, right? It's the same game. It's not like you can have mechanics that work in one and don't work in the other. So it'll be interesting to see what they how the campaign comes along because I think that, especially in World War II, like it can be, like you can have a phenomenal campaign, right, built off yeah. the back of sort of um, the same mechanics, the similar feeling game, that, you know, from a few years ago. But it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the story. I, I hope so. I hope so. Like the, the little campaign snippet they showed at whatever it was, I think it was Keeley's thing a couple of weeks ago, like was intriguing, I, I'd say. You know, I think most people came away from it with mostly positive thoughts, but some people thought it was a little bit too bombastic and over the top for World War II. Um, but we'll see. Um, the thing is, you've nothing- run out of, they must run out of things to do. Like they've done World War II so many times. Well, it must get to the point where they're like, we've got to do something different. It's interesting you mentioned that because some stuff as, as about next year's Call of Duty did kind of seep out this week where I think most people sort of looked at the rotation of studios and uh, and little sort of mini series they all work on and worked out what appears to have now been more or less confirmed in a sort of a confirmed rumour capacity that we're back to Modern Warfare next year. So Infinity Ward's Modern Warfare 2-2, which so I, I don't know what they're going to yeah. call it to kind of get around that problem. If they do call it Modern Warfare 2, fair play to them. The ball's on them for that. Um <laughs> But the early rumours around that is that, so I think, I I might butcher this, I think it's called Codename Cortez or Project Cortez. And Cortez is a reference to the surname of the bad guy in the movie Clear and Present Danger because I think the angle that they're going for is that sort of like covert group of sort of like combined like SAS and sort of Navy SEAL shit led by Captain Price. With you know now we've got Ghost and Gaz and 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 Soap and all the people from the original Modern Warfare as part of it as well, uh, one for one going and doing uh, cartel stuff, and I don't think we've seen that angle before uh, from Call of Duty because most of the time when they do a modern warfare story, um, it's focused on you know the Middle East and sort of like fictional yes. sort of like terrorist cells based in the Middle East and a lot of Russian influence as well. We saw that in the original trilogy and in the latest one. So, you know, going into some South American country, again, we'll see if they have the balls to name a real one or to make up their own one. We'll find out. Um, worked out well for Ghost Recon. Um, I was that, that's an, that's an angle, right? It is. But there's a weird thing in that it's almost like if you don't do the Russian thing and you don't do the Middle East thing, you can branch out and do the China thing, which has been done. Or like, not necessarily China, but mate, but like, uh, you know, that part of the world, like North Korea, China kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's that, like they say, what are we going to do to really blow your mind? So it's never been done before. Cartel, favelas, South America. I'm like, yeah, it's been done before quite a few times. I would like to see them do something completely new. I don't know what that would be. Like, it's hard to think of something that they've never done because I suppose at the end, maybe someone's, oh, well, they have done that. But... And maybe there are there are, you run out of like dictatorial places where you can sort of have crazy stuff going. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like I'm trying to think. Of, you you'd almost have to like create something completely off the wall and and batshit. Like to take some random nation, and just be like they're going to become a threat, and you have to invade this country to stop this. That, but I don't. I don't know. I don't have any ideas. Would you be like a like one of the like Pacific Islands or something like that? Something you've never like you've never never gone to. Well, maybe they have. Pacific, wasn't that, like wasn't the, the, again, a different series, but... Uh, so Second like, World War would have been that sort of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, and, like, they've done Partly. stuff, again, through, 
like Black Ops and stuff that they've gone back. They did a, a flashback mission going to like Cuba and like the failed assassination attempt of like, was it like a Fidel Castro look alike? I can't even remember. Right, some of that. No, I've got it, mate. I've got it. Okay. Canada, Canada. There you go. That's, we have to invade Canada. They they called the Mounties, the guys on the horses or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Or or maybe like it's like. Some disease made all the mooses, or the what are the, what's the plural of moose? Moose, meese, meese made them go crazy, and now they're just like storming into everyone and knocking over cars with their antlers. And you have to go zombie, zombie mounties. See, yeah, imagine like, it. Yeah, that's I think we're kind of and, we're, and zombie meese. We're actually at we're at risk of breaking an NDA, James. If we don't stop talking, we're going to completely foil all of Activision's plans for the, the future of their marquee franchise. Zombie mounties on zombie mooses. Attacking you in the snow. Yeah, there you go. We've, We've come up with them. it. And you know what, yep. Jonesy? No matter how outlandish an idea or a concept we come up with for the next Call of Duty, it'll probably still be easier to explain than the video game Deathloop. Um, which... Now, ins- I, okay, okay, hold up, right, hold on it, because I know nothing about Deathloop apart oh, from the sorry, trailers. No, how do you know nothing about... Tra- saying I know nothing about Deathloop but the trailers is like saying I know nothing about maths except advanced calculus no because so what i mean by that is you can present something in a certain way in a trailer which makes it seem like it makes sense but then often i think what happens with video games is especially there'll be a whole mechanic or a whole menu structure or a whole thing that they just left out conveniently of the trailers because it doesn't really fit the narrative so yeah so imagine i am a deathloop virgin and i've never played it give me the skinny Give me the skinny on Deathloop. Oh my god! Because I've heard tens out of tens. I've heard overrated. I've heard you know, and everything in between. So where are we at? Okay. So Deathloop is a game that is kind of like Hitman Groundhog Day. I heard someone else describe it as, and I kind of like that. Um, right. Because I think when you start throwing in other genre titles, like like especially if you start saying the name roguelike or roguelite. You start giving people ideas that I don't think it always fits. So Deathloop is a game where you play as a character stuck in a time loop that uh, is split into four distinct time periods, um, morning, noon, afternoon, and night. Um, And at the end of every day, it loops back to the beginning. Uh, And they realize that to break that loop, they need to assassinate eight people called visionaries that are scattered around four hubs that you can travel between. But every time you travel from one hub to another, you can spend an infinite amount of time in any hub, but every time you travel from one hub to another, time goes forward. So you travel from one hub right. to the next, it goes from morning to noon, and so, and so on and so forth. And so you realize very quickly that these visionaries aren't all very neatly positioned in so that there are two in each hub that you can travel to, morning, afternoon, night, and so on and so forth, and take them all right. out a row. You might need to do some research as to who these visionaries are, their lives, uh, their routines, their relationships with the other visionaries, how you might be able to um, like position them in such a way where you can get this one clean loop, go through all the hubs, all the time zones, kill all these visionaries and break the loop. This- Is that because you might in the morning you might be in hub one and then you go to hub two, but then they've travelled into hub one in the right. afternoon and you can't go back there, so then you can't get yeah. them? There might right. be a, there might be a character who you find out actually leaves the world, so to speak, at a certain point if you don't get there first, um, and you don't have to travel to the hubs in a set order. The entire game is connected by these tunnels, 
and you're not physically in the tunnels. The tunnels are basically these menus where you can adjust your loadout and uh, look at what you want to do um, next and sort of like plan your path. Uh, and all this is happening in terms of gameplay in a sort of a very traditional arcane-like system. So um, it's sort of like a Dishonored-inspired first-person shooter with a little bit more emphasis on action than just pure stealth. Very easy to shoot your way through situations or shoot your way out of situations. With a Hitman element, because a lot of this is about sort of memorization and patterns and knowing how doing something in one location at morning might make something else happen in another location in the afternoon. Cause and um, effect. That's what we're talking effect. about. And I say memorization, it's not all noggin memorization. Uh, there are uh, really good menus. And this is what, kind of interesting what you talked about, like the disconnect of like, them not showing you menus and the menus being important to your understanding. Deathloop right. has shitloads of menus that you will have never seen unless you've watched footage of the game since it's come out. You watch trailers, right. you won't understand that there are like, there's a whole thing about like, there's basically, you know, the meme of the guy from Always Sunny with like the Pepe Silvia and he's drawing. Uh, yes. You've basically got one of those for every visionary and it's like, this person, I found out that this person does this at that time. And if I do this, oh, this person's actually friends with that person. And they hang out at this same place at the same time. Like, I wonder which time they do that in. And so you're so is, pe- is that is that knowledge persistent? In the, the knowledge sense- is persistent. And right. like nothing you ever do will ever rob you of knowledge. The second your character right. knows it, you know it. So there's no like, uh, I learned something and I died. You've learned it. And like, it's... The game is right. actually surprisingly linear in that sense, which is the get like if you want to like just follow leads and fucking grind your way to the end as quickly as you can, you could probably do it pretty quickly. Okay, right. And then am I right in saying that you get three deaths per loop? Like you can that's die up to three times in one loop, but then at the end of the day, after three deaths, that's when the loop starts again, and then that's you, when the loop you lose. Again. And what do you, you do? You take anything with you, like weapons or upgrades so, or anything? Colt, who's the uh, playable character, uh, has his own loadout. Uh, The loadout is broken up into weapons. You can carry three weapons. Weapons themselves have trinkets that you can kind of think of as little sort of like, uh, you know, add-ons that might, uh, you know, adjust some of the base stats or the abilities of the weapon. You have slabs that are big overarching powers, one of which you get is reprise, which is the one you mentioned, which lets you die three times before a loop actually ends rather than once, which is the first indication the game gives you of many of like, hey, this isn't fucking Returnal. Like, we're not trying to beat your ass here. Like, we're trying <laughs> right. to let you play a video game. Um, in a game called Death Loop, you can literally die. <laughs> like, three Death Loop is more and more accurate. Um, then you have uh, personal trinkets. Early example of one of those is a double jump. Um and so, in theory, all of that stuff gets lost at the end of every loop. But there is a currency that you collect as you move through the game. Uh, you can find it in the environment. You can find it on certain enemies after you kill them, called residuum. And you can invest residuum to infuse uh, these slabs or these weapons to your character so that you have it persistently. So when, oh, okay. I, look, when I go to my game now... Um, if I were to start a new loop, I would skip forward time because you can, again, you can so pick and choose what you want to do. I could just skip forward all the way to the next morning if I wanted to by just keeping on passing time. Um, Colt would wake up on the beach and I would immediately have, I've got the power that's like Blink from Dishonored where you can like uh, dash a short distance. I've got a power called Nexus that links multiple enemies up together and anything I do to any one of them happens to the rest of them. Um, (laughs) Right. 
I have got a a second tier rarity versions of an LMG and a silenced nail gun, and I have a legendary weapon that is these dual pistols that when you put them together, like the rear one slots into the front one and it becomes Oof. an SMG. It's very cool. That sounds um, pretty sick. I ha- I have all of that stuff every loop. Like no one will ever take that away from me. So there is definite progression that's happening. Not in terms of necessarily like I don't have double the amount of health I had at the start of the game, but I have right. a lot of shit as well as just map understanding. Um, sure, and also because everything is everyone or the enemies are returning to the same position every time. It's worth exactly. you start those places, so you know where a lot of people are going to be. Because one of the things I think I always thought with Deathloop. Uh, and I guess this is kind of wrong now. Well, maybe maybe not. I suppose you could. Was I sort of wondered if there was a way you could almost do it? And you know, in in sort of saying like Groundhog Day, you know, in this in Groundhog Day when he learns all the patterns and he literally walks through and does everything exactly the right moment. Mm. Is there an idea that you could walk through one of those hubs and just nail every point and like headshot, 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 go over there, kill that guy, kill that guy, and you could just seamlessly move through. Yeah. Like uh, the whole situation. Okay. Yeah. In fact, there's a there's a trophy uh, on PlayStation uh, for killing every single person in a certain in any given uh, location in that time right. zone. So like, and like I can. What happens? I think the more accurate way of putting it, or more realistic thing that will happen for most people is you'll end up being familiar with routes. So like, one of the first things you have to do there's an one of the, the starting area, the first hub you explore is a place called Updam or Updam. It's kind of like the two A's. It's hard to know how to pronounce. And you have to find an area in that thing and and you know complete an objective there. And much like when you sort of like play pl- pl- played Dishonored for the first time, you kind of got this big area. There's lots of enemies. You don't know their paths. You don't know who's about to turn around as soon as you get two feet behind them and completely blow your cover. So you kind of like you kind of find your route around and you end up being like really familiar with the route you took that first time. And then when you right. want to leave that area, you turn around and go back the same way you just came. Cause you know, you cleared enemies out along the way. And there is kind of this element of like, you become so intimately familiar with the, like who does and doesn't see you when you walk through certain areas or how many people you have to kill. And what, like it's, it, it's very subtle in that sense. And I know okay. it's often like a debate whether it comes to, roguelikes and roguelites or whether it comes to just difficult games like demon souls that you played is relying on a player getting better at a game or relying on a player becoming more familiar with the game purely by virtue of playing it more good game design and i i don't really have a take on that question per se but i can tell you that death loop for me as someone who bounced off dishonored has been infam and even also bounced off prey even though i loved it has been a lot more successful than they were at getting me to engage with the things I've always been told Arcane are good at, but never experienced for myself. Okay, that's interesting. So where are you at at the moment? Like, what what are your feelings? What are you thinking? Very positive. I, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm, it's one of those things where it's, it's not a 10 out of 10 game for me. I can say that much, but I'm not that surprised that people who, especially anyone who had any real affinity for the Dishonored games, that some people loved this. Because it does create this thing where you're taking... Arcane's, let, let's be honest, sort of like best-in-class immersive sim game development uh, pedigree and applying it to a thing where you're encouraged to experiment, you're encouraged to mess around. You've got unlimited... Not only do you have all the options that you've always been told you have when you're playing a game like that in that genre, but you're actively uh, inspired to experiment purely by virtue of the way the game is designed. Right. And and some of the leniency it has with kind of like um, 
you know, how you can get out of situations if they go wrong and how, like I said, they've double. This isn't meant to be a stealth game because I, I walk around with an LMG in my pocket. Get, you know, designers don't put that in the game if you're not meant to use it. And I, and I do use it sometimes. Can um, it, can it be a stealth game? Like uh, if you want it to just be a stealth game, is that, can, yeah. you, can you just stealth kill and all that, do that can, as well? You can, to- you can play a hundred percent stealth. You might struggle to play at 100% FPS, but if you are really, really committed to that idea, then you probably could. Um, right. Although that might get boring quickly because if you were too good at it, you'd. there have been times where I fucked up. Um, I was in a building once, fucked up, triggering an alarm. Some of the people have radios that they can basically call in reinforcements. I created a 300-style choke point at the top of a staircase with an <laughs> LMG and just mowed down what felt about like about 20 people. Alert ended, and I felt like I was walking around a ghost town afterwards. <laughs> but I should be—I should point out that was in more, the morning in one of these places, and the game gets tougher as it gets further towards the end of the day. Okay, so it's interesting. I was just looking up what the uh, the Metacritic scores were sitting at the moment. So, so on eighty nine critics, five point eight for users, which is interesting. But I don't yeah, it's know. getting um, review bombed. I saw. A screenshot of... Yeah, uh, it does look like it is game review. Um, yeah. But then I feel like that happens to every game right now. It might be might be Xbox people. It might I don't know what it would It's a weird one because like, this seems like it wouldn't be a game to get review bombed. It seems like a, just a game that you, you'd review if you liked it because it's... It doesn't seem like there's much you could like take umbrage to that you feel the need to go out there and like give it a zero or give totally. it a 10 or whatever. It's, it's a bit of a strange one. I completely um, agree. Um, interesting. But yeah, I, I feel like I, I hate I, that's a lot of spent time talking about how the game works, and I promise that like the first two to three hours of the game is pretty much a tutorial, um, and by the time you're kind of on board with all that stuff, it will make perfect sense. So I know that's like a big thing to say. Oh, I promise if you buy it and spend play the first three hours, you'll get it. Um, but it, it's not as sort of messy or as complicated as it might appear, and. I'm having a very good time with it. It's one of those games that I find myself thinking about when I'm not playing it. I want to jump in. I want to do a, just a, you know, a quick half an hour loop. I want to r- run and grab that gun, or I want to try and kill that visionary this way this time, or I want to upgrade that power. And the fact that you can hang on to some of that uh, either information or the weapons or the slabs or the upgrades or whatever they are mean that it is a... Again, I'm going to avoid using the word roguelike, but it is a game where... You're doing a lot of the same things over and over again, but it it always feels valuable, and it never feels like your time uh, isn't being uh, taken seriously or that it's being taken for granted. Um, it, it, and it's got a lot of cool ideas. A lot of it is very, very well executed. Um, and like there are things we haven't even mentioned yet. Like, for example, one of the visionaries is called Juliana, and she can invade your game at any time, and she can be played by uh, other people online if you want her to be. That like, was things what- like that. That's sort of, see, that's one of the things that I saw the most of. Like, I kept seeing it and promoted, you know, like this character can come into your game and play by the players. And I must admit, I thought 90% of people are going to turn off that functionality, the ability for other players to invade your game, like, mm. straight away, because they don't want other dicks coming in and ruining their game. Yeah. Although the AI will still come in and fuck you up. Like, I haven't died, died, died yet um, and had to completely restart my loop, but I have died the first or second deaths. And Juliana has been the cause of most of that. Right. Um, is, is the uh, Have you ever gone into someone else's game? Have you invaded anyone else's? I have yet to do that, no. I'm a bit scared right. for some reason, but I might, I'll try it soon, I'm sure. Is there a um, negative impact on your game if you do that and you die? Se- no, they're, they're separate. Uh, it's, like oh, okay. a, it's actually a separate option on the main menu, and like the prog- it has its own progression system, and it rewards um, 
cosmetics from what I understand. Um, That's quite cool to give you so, a bit of that to make people want to go and do that because obviously there's a bit of a problem is most people aren't going to hop in there and go, I feel like just hopping into other people's games and invading them for a bit. Right, totally. But it's cool, man. It's really cool. Great sense of style, very well executed on its ideas and they are ideas that are not as complicated in practice as they are in theory. Um, so it definitely gets a solid thumbs up from me. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not one of those games that shot to the top of the potential game of the year discussions as it has for other people, but I very much like it. Very much like I, it. I must admit, I was surprised by uh, the day one, like uh, some really... Uh, not, not, I wasn't surprised by positive reviews, but I was surprised by how positive some of the day one reviews, like oh, especially yeah. people on Twitter just tweeting out about how good Deathloop was. And I was like, Okay, that's that's surprising. Like what they were saying would made you think it was you know game of the year material for like it was going to get tens I, across the board and stuff like that. But I can totally see why it is for some people. I can for totally some see for why some it people, is. right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Joel Asp is going to love this game. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just it's it's just a, for me. It's just a very good game. Um, I, but I wouldn't have given it a ten. Maybe, by the time I finished it, it could still be in the with the chance of getting a nine. I don't know. Did you? One thing I found—I don't know if this was just me watching the trailers—but um, some of the character designs for the uh, general enemies seemed really weird. Like they all seem to be like mannequin-faced. Like everyone wears masks. Bland-looking mannequin boys—is that a thing? They—they uh, they are fairly bland, generic. Like there are very few sort of like general NPCs or enemies that are designed to stand out in any real way, apart from like one who's kind of an Easter egg and appears on in every level. Who I won't spoil. Um, and they are a little bit sort of like almost blurry when you get really up close to them. Like some of the melee executions, you kind of see them slightly closer than you should, and you're like, this game is a really cool art style, but the devil isn't always in the details with some of its art style. <laughs> right. Um, from what I understand, there is an in-universe like narrative reason why everyone wears masks. Um, I've come across a character or the whereabouts, potential whereabouts of a character who apparently makes all the masks. So like there are like leads to some of that stuff. Interesting. The narrative shit is interesting. Like again, that first two or three hours, there will be moments where you even like even that early on where you'll be like, "Oh, I didn't think that's what this game was." Was I didn't think that's who this person was, or I didn't think that's what the premise would be. But um, and some of that stuff makes me more interested than I thought I'd be to figure out what's going on. Okay, but just like just obvious questions like who is Colt? How did he end up in the loop? Why does right. he want to end it? They some of those questions have more intriguing answers than I thought they would. Which um, is always, a, I think that's that's got to be what they're striving for at the end of the day with games like that, is it? Because the, the gameplay side of it, whilst you can get through and you can complete the game and get the task done, if it's kind of an empty experience, it does leave you feeling a bit meh. Whereas if you right. have like an intriguing narrative to go along with it, then it obviously pushes it into a different space, So, which is... Well, they can all hope to do right these devs that's what they're all hoping to for us to come out and go wow it was incredible in so many different ways yep. uh, so um anything else anything else you've been that's, playing that's it you think even if i had talked about anything else death loop uh probably just ate into <laughs> that time by quite a margin so um that's it from me um how about we just uh dive straight into some news if we're done Let's catching do up on playing yeah. stuff uh, it's a good news we've got so many games to, to play and talk about at the moment, Jonesy, because it feels like with each passing day, if not each passing week, we consistently seem to lose games that we might be looking forward to playing on the immediate horizon. Horizon, excuse me. And that's not a pun, even though Horizon is now obviously coming out next year. Uh, as games continue to get delayed, um, 
And we had a few more casualties this week. Uh, one thing that is starting to become a bit of a concern is Q1 of 2022. Is it too good to be true? Is it too bloated? Is it going to be like what we saw Q2 20, Q1 2020 where things have to get delayed again to um, to move out of that space? We'll see. Uh, last week, GTA 5 expanded and enhanced edition, got moved to March. This week, we had Dying Light 2, a game that I know you were very much looking forward to, moved to February. Total War Warhammer 3 is also looking at early 2022. Um, before we get into the other delay... Um, you, do you have any concerns when you hear stuff like that? When you hear, when you know that Q1 next year, uh, shall I pull up a list? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, because I, I guess that's what I'm really getting at here. Like, we're not just talking about the fact that Dying Light Two and Total War Warhammer Three and GTA Five have missed out on this Christmas period. No. We're also not talking about the fact that supposedly in the space of one quarter, we're going to have Elden Ring, Pokemon's Legends, Arceus, Rainbow Six Extraction. Dying Light 2, Horizon Forbidden West, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Sifu, Saints Row, Evil Dead The Game, Gran Turismo 7, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, Marvel's Midnight Suns, WWE 2K22, Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl. Um, there's more stuff as well. Some of this stuff, like I mentioned, Total War, Warhammer 3. At some point, we're going to have Uncharted, Legacy of Thieves Collection at that point, Diablo Immortal, Forspoken, Ghostwire Tokyo, mm. Warhammer 40k, Dark Tide, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. My like, my opinion on this is is kind of it's interesting. It's just actually interesting because I've been thinking about this recently, and not specifically about Q1 next year, but in general. In that games absolutely need to go up in price, like they absolutely needed to. They they were artificially depre- like um, depreciated for a long time, and it's I think it's we've all taken a bit of a whack to the wallets because they've jumped. It seems like they've jumped um, by a lot because um, I think they delayed it for such a long time, and then with the new generation, they suddenly seem to go. Do you know what we're putting up all the prices? But then you talk about Q one, and you start to think about the fact of if you were, if you only wanted to pick up a few console titles. Yeah. In Q1, you're looking down the barrel of like 300, 400 quid. Yeah. Which is a lot of it's money. It's insane. It's a lot of money. I mean, you're you're talking, it, it feels like, it starts to feel like the console prices themselves almost become more insignificant because by the end of the year, you would have had, you would have probably spent a couple of grand on games. And especially when you get all these games sort of, you know, pushed back, pushed into a, the same time zone, it just, I think it makes it more painful. I, I don't see how all those games can come out in Q1 of next year. I think that they're surely going to be with some yeah. more delays to just give that, them breathing room. That almost becomes my follow-up question is like, are we just looking at a situation where Q4 this year becomes Q1 next year and Q1 next year becomes Q2, 3, 4 next year. Like, are we just it looking at the thing where to, right? all the things push back and then the things that are already there get pushed back as well? I do, the funny thing is, it'll be the first time when, when companies are coming out and announcing delays to games and we're all going to go, thank God, because right. we can't we we can't just, we can't can't just deal with so many things coming out. Because we're just going to... If you're like me, what will happen is you'll miss games that you've wanted to play for quite a long time. Some, I mean, I'll have to sort of nail down a couple that I want to play and, and play those. But if they can spread them out, if they can make them come out, you know, more periodically over the course of next year, then that is, I think, is a much better position for everybody, right? They're not going to get crowded out those titles um it's not going to make people feel like they can't afford to be picking up the games the last thing you want is to put out your game after it's been delayed years and years of of um issues and whatever covid and all of that and then you don't people don't buy it because of 
the release date, like clashes yeah, with totally. some of the other games. Um, we see that with movies, right, where you know the mass scrambling they did to try and get James Bond out at a time where people could watch it. Mm. I mean, I feel like we've been waiting to watch that film for... Well, it has been like, like years. It's, it feels, yeah, it feels a very long time. No, so I, I definitely do. You, what do you think? Do you think they're going to spread that spread that out across the rest of the year? Yeah, I, I think so. In in a roundabout way, I think the issue with the other thing with the video games calendar sometimes when it comes to releases is that like the amount of real estate that people actually have to work with is sometimes limited. I think like Q one Q two has become increasingly desirable as games have been able to come out in that sort of like. It's Q1, Q2 in the on a calendar, but it's Q4 uh, for the for earnings, right? For right um, for financials, and I know like EA, for example, have been very famous over the years for things like whether it's Anthem or Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, hey, the last date this could possibly come out is the fucking thirtieth of March. I don't, it's I don't care how hot it is, it's coming out in March. Um, and I think we're still gonna have to see some studios and publishers kind of give into that where they need that game to come out in a certain financial year. But there are going to be others that it's like, there are also going to be some games that feel like they don't need to compete, like they don't care. But there will also be games that like maybe look up and are like, hey, we don't need to come out. Like like one that stands out immediately is like Saints Row is meant to be coming out in mid-February. That feels like a game we've only just found out about. We haven't right. seen any gameplay. And now like every passing week, as I said, like uh, Saints Row now comes, is now got things like the um, Destiny 2 expansion, Horizon, Dying Light, all these things that it wouldn't have expected to be competing with since since it uh, got announced, it's now competing with in the same month, in some cases in the same week. Um, that's an example of I can see them saying, do you know what, hey, like we're rebooting this game. No one like no one knows what we're really giving them quite yet because we haven't shown much of the game. Saints Row can come out, you know, in 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 early fall. Saints Row can come out at the end of Q3, beginning of Q4. No one's really gonna care. Um, I, th- I think I think the same with like Elden Ring. Like if you push that by like a year or so, no one's going to care. It's going <laughs> to no be fine. No one's going to care. The internet won't mind. See, Elden Ring is one I'm in two minds about. Where like on the one hand, people will play Elden Ring when Elden Ring comes out. Like, and no one would, uh, people would be annoyed, but everyone would be like, fine, yeah. It seemed, you know, a little bit hefty anyway, early or late January or whatever it is, mid January. But at the same time, like I can also see From Software being these sort of like, a Billy Big Bollocks kind of character going to be like, we're fucking, El- it's the new From Software game. Fuck everyone. Fuck Pokemon Legends. Like, we don't give a shit. We're coming out and people yeah. are going to buy it. Getting all cyber. It's, it seems weird that we were, argue- we were saying about this last year with Cyberpunk coming out and it was the fact of like, no one wanted to be in that space because they knew Cyberpunk was going to just rule that time period and then we were right. saying, Do- are they going to push games because they don't want to come out? And so- I mean, obviously with hindsight, that's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, it does. It does kind of seem like maybe Elden Ring is a game that that you don't really want to be released around that date anyway. Um, yeah, I, th- I I agree with you with um, uh, Saints Row. I th- I think the same thing with like Dying Light Two. I think if you've been waiting for Dying Light Two like I have for this long, when there is no rush to just like rush this game out and. Um, they tweeted the other day about like a Techland tweeted saying, you know, we're really sorry, we want to get the game out when it's done. And I think I even replied to their tweet and was like. Just take your time. Don't you don't need to do the apology tweets and here's a new date. Like just just get the game finished. Because every time you give a date, it terrifies me that the game's not really going to be ready and you're just done with it because it's become yes. a money sink. And that to me is more of a terrifying prospect. Um, 
But well, and, and the whole COVID thing is obviously, and and all the uh, delays and the infrastructure issues and the delivery issues and all of this stuff is having a massive knock on to every industry. Yeah. So you know, it's it's all should... that stuff's all valid. But when you talk about, um, you know, you sometimes perhaps getting slightly scared, you know, at the prospect of a game sticking to its guns or not being delayed when it maybe feels like it could be. Um, and you also mentioned Cyberpunk, which was a game that. You know, considering it squeezed every last penny that it could out of that calendar year and made sure it came out in that Christmas period, there is one specific game I wanted to bring up to you and ask if it raises any red flags, and that's Battlefield 2042, which is the uh, upcoming FPS from EA and DICE in the Battlefield series, was originally scheduled to come out, I think, kind of like early to mid-October. That has been pushed back, but it has been pushed back a matter of weeks to November 9th. And like it's one of those things where I don't want to back uh backseat uh game dev and like second guess how much work a team can do in the space of less than a month and how vital that work might be. Um I'm sure some people will tell you a lot can actually happen at that sort of like key time of game development. But I guess my question to you is like when you hear something like that and again without obviously being able to see behind the curtain to what's actually happening, does that scream this game actually needed a couple more weeks of polish and everything's going to be fine? Or does that scream, this game is hot, EA are squeezing as much time as they out of it as they possibly can, but there is no way in hell EA are not releasing a Battlefield game in Q4 before Christmas? It does make me just think they're going to be crunching like anything to get that game done. Right. And that they're hoping that they can scratch whatever they can out of those few weeks in order to deliver it before Christmas. It, it, yeah, exactly as you said, but nice. and, which is but, but then the problem you get this weird situation then because then obviously the problem is yeah I want to see Battlefield twenty forty two come out and I want to play that game and I'd love to play it this year and I don't want it to get pushed to next year like Q one next year like everything else has and now I think they have the double like the double sort of hit of they they don't want to push the game past Q four but then they also don't want to be in Q one because it's incredibly bloated because then they look at pushing it even further and yep. you get all these problems. But they had lofty hopes with that game. And especially when you're talking about like the relaunch of a, of a series like Battlefield, you know, like, don't worry, lads, we've sorted it out. It's coming back. It's going to be bigger than ever. It's going to have destructible scenery. Like, look at this, you know, look at all this cool uh, trailers we've put out and stuff. But it kind of just makes me worry because the, the loftier the goal, like the, almost more like the further you can fall. And yes, I would rather a good kick-ass Battlefield game that, we can all enjoy rather than a mediocre, you know, lackluster attempt that just got squeezed, squeezed out, which seems like that's happened more often than not recently, which maybe that's unfair yeah. for me to and, say. And but. EA has been responsible for some of them. Well, yeah, but the promise when you're a bloody monopoly in it, you're going to be responsible for like a lot of these issues. Not a monopoly. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. They're not a monopoly. They're a big old beast. You know what? We're going to need a whole twelve-month-long court case to figure out if they're a monopoly or not. Um, <laughs> if if any other recent news has been anything to go by, it's interesting. By the way, gents, before I move on, looking at the uh, the Wikipedia article for twenty twenty two in video games, there are going to be some spicy Alex Jones movie reviews coming out this year because um, I, I'm. This is one of those pandemic things where you presume everything's ground to a standstill, then you realise that some people have kept working. That uh, the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie is coming out in April, apparently, which is like fair play. That was the second last film I saw, like uh, in the cinema pr- with all the lockdown stuff. I love that movie. I thought it was great. 
There you go. I really, I thought it was, uh, it was I, I've got young, let me caveat, I've got young kids and they love it as well. And it's something I can watch with them. But do you know what I loved more about and I, I don't think anyone else has mentioned this. Maybe I've mentioned it before. I don't even know. I love that they slag off the, like the other dimension that you get that he's going to go to. Yeah. that he doesn't want to go to is the mushroom world. And he's like, how rubbish the mushroom world is and how boring and there's nothing there. Well, and he, it's just great. There might be some uh, more direct metrics to compare the two kingdoms this year because supposedly 2022 will be the year that we finally get that animated big budget Mario film from Universal Pictures, which um, I've got a feeling you're also going to get dragged to the cinema for on Dad Duty. I will do, I'm sure. Um I'd like the, the it's weird because I can't imagine it's but the same with Sonic. Like, I thought I thought that was going to be trash. I wasn't really know what they were going to do with it. Is it? I'm I'm interested to see what they do with Mario because I remember seeing the last Mario movie at the cinema. Well, oh, at the cinema. Wow. I'm pretty sure I saw it at the cinema what, like, back in the day. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I th- no, I think it would have been one of the first films I saw. Um, but yeah, yeah, long, long time ago. And then the <laughs> uh, the final video game based film coming out next year, Uncharted. It's fine. Tom Holland's young Nathan Drake in Uncharted coming out. Like that how can that can't be that? How can they get that wrong? That's got to be a good movie, right? It's Tom Holland. It's in like an Indiana Jones style movie. Nathan Drake is a kick-ass character. They're going to be some swashbuckling, some swinging from can vines. I, can I give you my totally boring guess as to how it's going to go? Do you remember yes. like a handful of years ago, they made like a totally fine Tomb Raider film and no one seemed to care. I just thought about the totally fine Tomb Raider movie when you were saying that. The very good with Alicia Vikander. With Alicia Vikander. I think Uncharted's... I mean, don't get me wrong, Tom Holland's a big-name star and like maybe this gets a bit more traction, but I think that... I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be like a like a middling-to-average action film that, you know, people kind will, of slowly forget about. I will gladly take fine when it comes to video game movies, as long as it isn't trash. I'll be perfectly happy. You know happy. what? I've got a feeling that Sony Pictures will as well, with $120 million riding on that Tom Holland vehicle. Um, can, I, can I just say one thing that does bug me about, about Sonic course. the Hedgehog? Oh, about Sonic, yeah. yeah. To go back to Sonic the Hedgehog. If you have seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, right, and played, the, and played the old Sonic games as well, cool. and have played Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, how are Sega not just making like a Sonic game in the vein of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart? I know we've got some stuff to see from them. There's a new Sonic the Gay, Sonic game, etc. I just know they're going to miss big time with it. It feels like they're going to miss hardcore with that, and it's just going to be trash. I don't know why, but it does. But I- but surely you just you just say, do you know what? We need to remake uh, Rift Apart as a Sonic game. Yeah, but do you, do you know what? I, I hear when I when I like uh, when you say stuff like that is that okay? Here's the secret to making a good Sonic game is to fundamentally change what makes the Sonic game. Like yes. I, I feel like that, well, there, isn't that an admission that Sonic is just bad? No, because because like Sonic was so. I would say that Sonic was good back in the day. Like it did everything it needed to do, right? Okay, it was just yeah. to show off the speed of the system, and it was to say, "Look how fast we are compared to Mario." Like that was the whole point. But you have to go. You can't just stick with platformer, like yeah, but, and speed. Like, you have you can, to. You can make Leisure Suit Larry the lead character of Ratchet <laughs> and Clank Rift Apart, and I'd have a great time. 
Like, I yeah, feel, like, yeah. I feel like all we're really doing is saying Ratchet and Clank is so good a game that you could change Ratchet to anyone that you'd still have a good game. But that's I always feel at this point this is what they need to do with uh, with Sonic because they just keep they keep doing the same old shit and it's not work and it doesn't work and it's like everything that I mean I haven't played a Sonic game for a while the last one I played was the race Sonic Racing or whatever that I think um, oh I forget what those, those games were apparently okay those cart games but but that, that's what I'm saying but they're fine like but they're fine but that's because they've just gone and copied another style of game from uh, you know other places and said hey we're going to make a racing game as well and put our characters in it it's like yeah you don't need to stick to this platformer sort of like speed runny thing you can just go mental do whatever you want just include the characters like with the movie where it was totally different it was in the real world mm. it was live action it was cool it was fun hey you go Jonesy Ghost of Tsushima but instead of being set in ancient Japan it's set in ancient Persia, and you play as the prince instead of Jin Sakai. There you go. Wow. Assets, asset swap remakes. It's the hot new trend that we've uh, we've stumbled upon. Just swap out the main character for someone else and call it a remake. <laughs> so many games already do that as well. It's amazing that like I suppose the big companies can't do it because it's too obvious. So it's more like cheeky little cheeky people do it to sort of make a buck. Yeah. They just go, oh, we're going to make this game. Well, I always remember like was the gear, uh, what was the one. Cr- Oh God! You had like God of War, and then you had, oh, was it called Crusader or something? Crusaders? Yeah, it was. I think God of War was a 360 exclusive, and there were a bunch of studios that were just like, "What if we made a God of War clone? No, sorry, Gears of War clone for um, PS3? Is that what we're talking about? No, the so the Gears of War clone one was different, but there was a God of there's a reverse where God of War was obviously PlayStation, but then God of the God of War clone that I remember was Dante's Inferno. That's the one that always stands oh, out Oh, no, me you're right. That's it. Playing. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, Dante's Inferno, you're right. Which wasn't yes. a bad game. It was just, But it was just a very heavily God of War-inspired game. What was the, They, they what did was it the, with Gears as well. well did, yeah, yeah, what was the Gears of War in, uh, game that was oh. basically a uh, Gears of War clone for PS3? Was it's that a game called that Crusader always, or something? Am I, getting, am I getting my games confused? Is that why? Um, maybe, maybe. I'm not really sure. A game that's coming up quite a lot is Quantum Theory. Oh, maybe it was that. That does ring a bell, actually. Quantum theory. Binary domain, I don't really consider that a gizable clone. Do you remember Dark Sector? The guy who had the glaive that he could throw and move in midair? It was like a frisbee that chopped people's heads off. Uh, that was yeah. kind of a gears clone. Quantum theory, that was the one I, yeah, when you Quantum said it, theory, yeah. jumped out at me. Which is I mean, like, even, I, Jesus I Christ, like, the box art looks exactly the same as gears. Well, the gears formula is like, just get some dudes who are all on steroids and have like completely unrealistic, almost like Popeye-esque body proportions. Make it so that they sprint by crouching in a really like un like way that's probably really bad for your knees, and they're probably all going to get arthritis when they're older. And um, make sure they do all their shooting from a cover system. Yeah, and then before you know it, you've got a gears game. There Absolutely. You go. Call me up, Microsoft. I am. I'm not available, but I'm willing to negotiate. Um. Do you know what, Jonesy? We come up with some great ideas um, for video games sometimes when we're spitballing and speculating as we do, when we're just chatting. Um, But sometimes there is a fine line between games that are real and are coming out and games that are figments of our sonic-tinged imaginations. And uh, that was never more true than it was this week when some dirty hackers, some evil data miners went and had a little fiddle around in the back end of NVIDIA's GeForce Now app 
that allows you to stream games that you own to yourself over the internet. So it's a hot new thing. Google Stadia, look it up. You might have heard of it. Um, but getting to the actual point of the story, basically, data miners did go through the back end of NVIDIA GeForce Now's database of games um, and came up with a very long and very intriguing list. Um, and at first, Jonesy, people were kind of passing around this list, looking at some of the stuff that was on it, kind of trying to figure out whether or not this was real. There were some things that seemed absurdly false and made up. There were some things that seemed realistic and curious. And then NVIDIA did the interesting move that you don't see that often of stepping in and acknowledging that the leak was legitimate, acknowledging that this was all real, that these data miners had found something that actually existed, but they claimed that the titles involved in this list of games were, quote, speculative and used only for internal tracking and testing. So I thought it would be interesting just to take a quick look at some of the highlights from this list of games that the data miners found and try to find whether it's on an individual or a per game basis or on a broader basis, whether we whether or not we think this list of games has any actual sort of like value. How about cool. it? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so one of the things that was perhaps to be expected, again, and added some reasoning that this list might have been true, was the number of Sony games um, that appeared. So uh, one thing, for example, the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves edition was listed on there. And apparently, based on when the list was originated from, it was prior to that game was announced with that official title. So they got the right. name of the Uncharted collection, right? Uh, also on there, games like Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, God of War, Returnal, Demon Souls, Ratchet and & Clank, and Ghost of Tsushima. So those are all Sony games that could, again, whether or not they're actually going to get PC ports or whether NVIDIA are speculating on the PC port, we don't know. But one interesting title because it doesn't formally exist yet, Helldivers 2. Um, so the potential for a Helldivers sequel to have, in fact, been leaked via this uh, NVIDIA data mine. But I guess, gut impression, based on the Sony portion of this, does that lend itself to the whole thing being real and legit? Or do you think that that, again, is pure speculation on NVIDIA's part that, hey, Sony have put some games on PC so far, they might put more, and if they do, these are them. Oh, I'm torn. Worth noting that NVIDIA, for whatever reason, didn't include games like Bloodborne, Spider-Man, The Last of Us, The Last Guardian. So there were some games NVIDIA intentionally didn't put on this list. But again, you know like speculation or truth? I go, all truth. All truth, interesting. All truth, all truth. Why they wouldn't, if they were going to speculate, they would just make up stupid names for games that didn't exist. And they could ju- they could put whatever they wanted. They wouldn't need to just put in. And like you said, they didn't just list every game. They just picked out some specific ones. So all true. Big. That would be big. God, I want to be on Twitter the day that God of War gets announced for PC. That's going to be fun. Um, we then jump over to Microsoft, where this is where things get kind of confusing because there are we start to get conflicting ideas as again to how much Nvidia might actually know when it comes to the what they're putting on the back end of GeForce now. So uh, one thing that immediately caught people's eye was Gears 6. Again, not formally announced yet, but, but one would presume that Gears 5 will get a sequel at some point. One that threw people off very quickly was the presence of Halo 5 Guardians. For anyone that doesn't know, Halo 5, for whatever reason, isn't on PC. And in response to this leak, Bungie came out and... Sorry, 343, I think it must have been, came out and said... Um, 
hey, Halo 5's not going to be on PC. So 343 immediately came out and said, this isn't true, this isn't real. Which again, adds credence to the idea that NVIDIA just put that name on the list because it made sense to do it in case something happened. But, before before I let you jump in on the Microsoft side of things, then we got the other side of the uh, the kind of coin where some project names were listed, and including these were Project Holland, Project Typhoon, and Project Woodstock. Now, Xbox insiders have come out and confirmed that these are, in fact, Fable, Contraband, which is the new game from Avalanche. We've got a trailer at the showcase. And Forza, um, uh, in that in that same order. So, if Halo 5 was a weird speculative, hey, we don't know if this is going to come into PC, but we're going to put this in our back end anyway, guess, then why do they know the very specific code names in some cases, the not public code names for these other real unannounced Xbox titles. It's because they're not speculative. They are all real. <laughs> three, four, three are lying. I love it. And they're trying to cover for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they're saying, no, it's not coming, but it is. And these are all real. Okay. I love it. In that I, case, do, I just got, I don't understand. Like, for the, because like, you nailed it. Like, why would you pick out a game like Halo 5? Like, it would be a really random one to just throw in there as a speculative, like, well, Halo 5 didn't come to PC, so we're going to add it in because it's a speculative, like, they might do, like, I just don't, what's the point? It's not, and they say this for track and trace purposes, like, how does that age your track and trace of games that aren't, and that you don't but know like, come but to PC But maybe it's some weird back end where, like, someone at some point was just like, hey, I'm going to create the Halo 5 Guardians page in our back end in case we ever need it, but they did it, like, years ago and forgot about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but no, I reckon it's... Um... Okay. Well, um, that I thought was an interesting way using Sony and Microsoft's pool of games to kind of like frame up this initial portion of the leak and to use like different elements of, hey, is this real, is this not, is this speculative, is there truth here? Because um, after that, Jonesy, it goes off the rails and I thought I'd throw out some of the more crazy shit that, um, that we saw on this back end and you tell me... Is this real or is this not? How about that? Okay, yeah, let's do it. So we've had Final Fantasy VII Remake. May I present Final Fantasy IX Remake? Uh, yeah, why not? Okay, Kingdom Hearts 4. <laughs> yep. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yep, of Street course. Street Fighter VI. Yep. Dragon's Dogma 2. Yep. I'm just going to say yes to all of them. Like, I, I think they're all real. A ray-traced remaster of Bioshock. Yes. Bioshock 2022, whatever that means. <sighs> 2020, that, see that, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's, go on, yeah. See, that's one that Eurogamer have come out and said, we don't believe Bioshock's coming out in 22. But that's, again, that would be super strange because they, how weird. would that not be a thing already? Like, if, Bioshock, if there's a Bioshock game coming out in 2022... Yeah. But, 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 but as we've said, with leaks, with um, with delays and things, I could absolutely see a Bioshock game that was penned to be released in 2022 at a meeting a couple of years ago with NVIDIA where they talked about a Bioshock game coming in 2022 so that was going to come to PC, but then they've it's been pushed and it's not ready to release yet and it's not going to come out to like 2024. Like I could I absolutely see something like that True. happening. Uh, uh, by the way, Jonesy, we're only just scratching the surface. There's some wild <laughs> shit on this. A ray-traced remaster of Mirror's Edge. Yeah, like, why not? That would be that'd be cool. Titanfall 3. Chris would lose his mind. Yeah, but yeah, let's do it. Why not? Crisis 4. 
Uh, I've got no reason. Well, no. Okay. Crisis 4. It's, I, I don't know. Like, maybe. But, like, where's that come from? Is that That's rumored? weird. That's weird. Uh, that's it. Mm, okay. Is, I've got one for you if you can keep your, uh, keep your trousers on. Go on. Batman Arkham Knight Ray Trace Remaster. <sighs> I love imagine that. How, imagine how shiny and reflective that Gotham <laughs> would be. Yeah, that would be sick. Um, I'm, I'm all over. That that to me that totally again like that totally makes sense. That like, that's not even surprising. Like, but yeah. So I'm going to have to start rattling through stuff here because it gets mental. But like, we're looking at games like XCOM Three, Injustice Three, HD remakes or remasters of Metal Gear Solid Two and Three, Sniper Elite Five, City Skyline Two, Payday Three, uh, something called Fight for Middle Earth, a new Crash Team Racing game. Uh, Mortal Kombat 12, uh, a remaster of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. That's probably not that uh, crazy. Uh, another Metro, um, a Viking game developed by Criterion. Uh, just all, like, lots of weird stuff. Like, I said, it, was, it was a wild leak. Do you know what adds, adds sort of credit to it for me is if they just had the games like the sequels, right? If they just mm. had like Crisis 4 or XCOM 3 or whatever, then I would say... Okay, they're just they're just literally listing names of games and then adding another number to it and just using that as a way to like track it and they're they're putting them under the headings of the publishers, whatever. But what gets kind of interesting is when they start to have like remaster, a ray trace remaster, remake, and you're like, why would you necessarily pick out those specific games to have a remaster or a, or an eight or a ray yeah. traced remake? Like, like that to me is the interesting. Which Nvidia employee decided to create a back-end listing in his own, in the NVIDIA GeForce Now app for a non-existent Ray Trace remaster of Mirror's Edge. Yeah, like, that's such a which, random... Which rogue employee does that? Like, it yes, that's, yeah. that's, that to me is the thing which kind of stands out as being kind of weird. Yeah. Um, also, like, you could, if, if you could make the argument about saying, oh, well, the, um, it's easy. Sorry, my my dog is, uh, like, coming in. It's that's right. Trying to get some attention. So if I'm like, everyone's like, what's he looking? Hey! Stop. <laughs> um, but um, we're, we are yeah. a man down this week. So yeah, third third guest on the pod. Yeah, we've got yeah. The, the dog. The dog's taking part. Um, that for me is the thing that kind of jumps out because it's and it's, it's specific as well. It's not like well, there was a time five, seven, eight years ago when Halo, uh, sorry, when Mirror's Edge was going to come to PC. Like this is specifically a ray trace thing on you know this new. Th- it's it's not yep. a thing you would have been thinking about. From the, people well, who, from the people who know if things are going to be ray traced, right? Exactly, exactly. Who've had a conversation about something. That's, yeah. That to me is uh, more likely that they've had. Uh, yeah. So, okay, let's put it this way. This doesn't mean all these games are coming to PC. It doesn't mean all these are coming to this service. But what it does mean is at some point in the past, they've had a conversation about these games being on this service. Yeah. So even so, let's, so Halo 5 is a good example. Maybe 343 are absolutely right. There's no way this is coming to PC. But they had a conversation about it coming to PC, and that is why it was speculatively added to this list. In my mind, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, it, at some point, it made enough sense for an NVIDIA employee to spend some of their time creating the back-end listing for that game should anything happen in the future. Because right. it's, it's for whatever reason, it's useful to have it there if anything changes or happens. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. But it's just, I guess it's the same reason why, like, it happens all the time on Amazon, right? Where, like, they just create, like, blank listings for things that are, like, are speculative or aren't real and <laughs> shit like that. And, like, sometimes they get found when they're not meant to and people lose their shit. But 
Yeah, they stick a like, price on it. And then yeah. It's like, what? It's just all, you almost have to evaluate on a case-by-case basis whether or not there is smoke without fire um, or not. Um, so what, are you, what do you think about m- most of these games in general? Are you, are you thinking they... <sighs> I, th- I think I, th- I think our d- uh, like a, our deduction regarding like the leak itself and why this ended up happening is in the same place. I think whether or not these things will happen, I'm a much more fifty fifty on. Like, right. there's some things here that just that seem a little bit too much like logical guesses. Like, I, I, like I don't want to like stamp on anyone's dreams, but like I think for the time being, something like a Titanfall three, for example, just seems like a, a logical guess. Again, why NVIDIA employees are spending time updating backends with logical guesses, I don't know, but I don't know. It's weird. Imagine what would have happened if they'd have put Half-Life 3 in there. They'd have that's put a, a thing called Half-Life 2 Remastered. But, oh, yeah, but that's that's very different, right? If they'd have actually put Half-Life 3, yeah. people would have commented. Still, there's other, also other weird and things. Then I, and then I would have said the list is completely speculative and it's bullshit and it's just yeah. made up. It's also worth noting like there's other weird things like I, I didn't want to mention this at the time but fuck it I'll throw it in there like the name that in the back end for Injustice 3 is Injustice 3 Gods Will Fall which some people have pointed out was like also the name for like a fake fan made Injustice 3 from a few years ago. Oh okay. Um, so like again so it could have been weird. somebody it could have been a low paid intern scouring the internet for rumors about games that are coming out literally and they yeah. put together the, a list okay literally ah uh, well we'll find out in due course Jonesy I'm sure and some of these games will come out and some of them will not whatever will happen uh, will guarantee to spark some kind of conversation amongst people like us because we sit in front of microphones talking about video games uh, not quite for a living um but maybe one day and that's exactly what happened this week because you might remember that when we convened last Thursday, uh, it was the evening, late in the evening, and we had all just watched the PlayStation Showcase that highlighted some upcoming PlayStation 5 software. And kind of in the moment, we just basically reacted to what we saw, right? You know, it's anyone that doesn't remember, it was Insomniac's upcoming Wolverine game, there was Spider-Man 2, where they debuted Venom, a trailer for God of War Ragnarok, Knights of the Old Republic uh, remake, and so on and so forth. But we just kind of had to give our hot takes, and we weren't really sure at the time how the internet would pick up some of these topics of conversation and run with them. Um, but the internet being the internet, that is exactly what they did do. So I thought it would be fun to revisit some of those little talking points that we didn't think would become talking points, and... Um, and and maybe give our perspective on matters. Um, yeah, let's do it. Starting with something that we didn't talk about last week because we didn't even know about it last week. I don't think the art had been tweeted out. And that is uh, <laughs> the, the dare I say boy. controversial, yes, uh, portrayal or, or interpretation <laughs> of the Norse god Thor, or as Josie calls him, the thick boy, thick boy Thor, uh, as he will appear in... Uh, Sony Santa Monica's upcoming game, God of War Ragnarok, because yeah, he's um he's hefty. He's not like I, I think. W- would you say uh, you, you're probably you, you know you watch more of these videos than I do nowadays? Uh, um, would you say he's strongman physique, or is he t- is he a bit too fat to be strongman physique? This this is the, so this is a thing that um yeah I I tweeted out and I said like he he looks like Eddie Hall's granddad. Right, we, and mm. down to like the he's got the big belly, you know. He's got the he's got like the boobs coming out the bottom of his thing, and then he's kind of covered up. He's wearing a lot of armor. Um, yes, 
if you are so you, being strong and how thick you are doesn't like isn't actually that much of a, a like a one to one comparison. The idea that you can look at someone and you can say like this character and you can say oh he's just fat he's not strong I think is ridiculous because you can be insanely strong and like a very powerful person and be like very overweight as a lot of the strong men often are power lifters sometimes are and things you know they're very big lads or big women because I mean, just you look at the olympics look at the olympics we just had and look at them at the like the power, the women who do the biggest power lifting none of them are like svelte women with abs showing they are some hefty girls who were uh, lifting that weight and that, because the, the truth of the matter is right when you're heavier um this is ridiculous. We don't even need to get into this detail, but this is ridiculous. But when you're heavier, it is much easier to gain muscle and it's much easier to be stronger. There's a whole thing in, in weightlifting where, uh, about bulking and the fact that in order to gain muscle and gain weight, you eat like an absolute, you should, this is a it's kind of frowned on by some people, but you say like you bulk, whereas in you just consume as much calories as possible to get as strong as possible and grow your muscles as much as possible because you need calories to get big muscles. So mm. I have no problem at all with the idea of a, the big, strong, powerful Thor being a thick boy. If anything... It kind of goes with my gut idea of um, this gluttonous, uh, meads drinking, like like pork. Eat. I imagine he's just eating an entire boar all to himself. <laughs> before, because if you read some of the stories about um, about Thor, he the Liam Hemsworth Thor of Marvel is not the kind of thing that was going on. Like he is right. a he's a uh, is it a cad? Is that the right word? He's out there like. Getting with the girls, getting with giants, killing people, doing stupid stuff like eating, drinking, being like uh, absolute lad. And yeah, what's I think yeah. the their conceptualization of him is uh, is is wicked. I think it looks bang on. And like I said, and you can the idea that he doesn't look strong enough, you would is mad to me because you would need to say if you take all the god stuff and the magic and all that out of it. You would need to say, what's this dude's body fat percentage versus his how much muscle he's got? Like, you can be the most muscular dude in the world, and if you've got a hefty layer of uh, fat covering it, you're not seeing any definition. No, like yeah, exactly. And this isn't in, this isn't in the PED times. This is what people don't realise in today's world as well. PEDs are rife. You go online, you go on Instagram, you go on YouTube, you go on Twitter. Anytime you look at people. They are taking uh, the special candy to give themselves some um, extra big guns. And do you know what? Thor is from a time when that didn't happen. Uh, Pre-PEDs. So I'm totally cool with this. Yeah. No, me too. It's, it's interesting. Um, IGN made the baller YouTube move of sort of capitalising on this discussion of this talking point by bringing in an expert on Norse mythology and a guy who kind of has studied the languages and and the kind of the uh, the various sort of like interpretations of the the legends and and has taught that it's sort of like university and college level and he said that's one of the things that's interesting about the legends is that almost none of the gods the Norse gods themselves are ever actually physically described in kind of the detail you'd like them to he said right. one of the only person one of the only gods that's ever really described in any real detail is Odin in which case, like, we have descriptions of, like, his, like, grey hair and his one eye and how his face is often covered by, like, a hood or a cloak and stuff like that. But, like, he said that outside the fact that Thor had red hair, by most accounts, like, Thor's never described as fat or thin or muscular or, or ripped or anything like that. And so, basically, all he said was that fair play to Sony Santa Monica for intentionally just doing something slightly different that probably was still within the realms of 
you know, what was imagined. Because uh, that's that's the other thing. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about a god, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Uh, it's not It's not like the real Thor was written. Like, no, it's a dude to god. Um, I so... Did- I, I, I'm, kind of, I, I'm, I'm on that camp as well, just to say, which is that, like, it's cool to get something different. And I'm, which isn't to say, like, a Hemsworth-looking Thor would have been boring. They'd have made it cool, because God of War's cool. But I, I'm down for something different. I did have an interesting conversation with someone online, and they sort of, they sort of said um, they, didn't, they didn't like it. And okay. they, were so, they were saying that uh, um, the if you put it down to sort of, like, beauty standards and that, then and they're a god, so they could look like whatever they really want. So why would they look like? Um, why would they need to look like that in order to be like strong? And they were saying that back in the day, the beauty standards haven't changed that much, and they would looking they would look like an Adonis because you know. And I just kind of I don't know. To me, that didn't really strike as being that true because even when I was a kid and used to watch TV uh, movies and TV and stuff whenever you had like a big strong dude in the film in the tv show it was never like the liam hemsworth ripped kind of guy he he could be there absolutely as like a strong powerful dude but the biggest strongest dude was always like a big kind of like andre the giant or something like that right he was like a big heavy dude because he wasn't this um like rippling abs and that he was a guy who could eat who could like pick up you know a woman on each arm and carry them around mm. like he was some sort of big caveman and so yeah this kind of fits totally with me for that and then you and then you think about the fact that these are supposed to be gods so they're magical so really they can look like whatever they want i guess they don't actually have to look like this yeah. if you were thor would you want to look like the second biggest man in the room because there you might be like rippling abs but there's a guy who yeah, there's a giant or whatever who looks bigger than you do no, you want to look like the biggest bloke in the whole room in general. You want to be this mammoth dude who looks epically powerful. I think yeah. it's a cool. I think the character's cool. I like it. I think yeah. I think it works. I'm just glad that for the first time in recent video game history, Jonesy, I've got a character I can cosplay. <laughs> in fact, you know, this is going to be a deep cut. But do you remember we did um, like a D and D thing uh, back in the awesome gaming days? <laughs> yeah, I did. Someone someone pointed out to me that he actually looks a little bit like the character I played in that because that character had like long hair and stuff like that as well. Oh, mate, that's where tat- I'm just tatted up. So if, if yeah, if you're um, so yeah, you can be Thor. Chris can be, I guess, Chris can be. Um, he's Atreus. Atreus. I, I was yeah, going to say Chris would he, have to he's be short and has a trendy haircut. All oh, right, I was going to say he would need to be uh, uh, Kratos. I, I see. I, I'd have put you as Kratos. Who would you cast yourself as then? Uh, Mimir. Well, you're just the little head on on, on, head. on Chris's belt, doing an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be Mimir. I'm looking forward to spending more time with Mimir. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. And in fact, that kind of leads into uh, another little talking point. And I, I don't know if I'm throwing this at you uh, sort of blindsided because it's something I only confirmed for myself a couple of hours before we started recording. And it hasn't actually generated quite as much conversation as I thought it would. Um, Talking about sort of Mimir and how much more time we'll get to spend with these characters. Like there was, it felt like the unspoken assumption with this sort of like new approach to the Norse approach to God of War was that we were in the middle or approaching the middle of another trilogy. Um, and that the trilogy would sort of like play out the the arc of Atreus, finding out who he is and discovering his roots and and exploring that territory. Um, and then one of the things that was kind of curious about this uh, this 
this upcoming game is that despite the fact that the trailer is kind of like evaluating the beginning of uh, sorry sets out like the beginning of Fimble Winter I think it's called and like the road to Ragnarok the game is called Ragnarok and presumably contains Ragnarok and it's like well okay if that's happening where do you go from there and the answer is nowhere uh, as Corey Barlog has since confirmed that this Norse arc of Kratos's journey is a two-part thing this is the end of the Norse saga this isn't a trilogy like we all just kind of like weirdly assumed it would be because they had a trilogy first time round. Um, so we did a little interview. I can't remember who it was with, but they essentially asked what the deal was. And Bar- Corey Barlog said, look, the first year game took five years to make. The second game is on track to take there or thereabouts five years to make. And the idea of us taking 15 years to tell this story like didn't sit well with us. So we sat down and said, right, what can we do to kind of complete this arc and get the Norse saga um, as it uh, pertains to Kratos done in this game, uh, is it feasible? And it turned out it was. So, um, yeah, God of War Ragnarok will be the end of this arc of Kratos' journey, which I kind of don't know how I feel about that. It, su- it surprised me. Do you know what I mean? No, I, think, I do. I, I guess I'd mentally prepared myself for, like, this is going to be, you know, setting up Ragnarok and 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 Thor and, and Freya and stuff like that, and then we're probably going to end on a cliffhanger, and then we're going to have, like, God of War Asgard five, four years after that with Odin as the final bad guy. But it's actually like, nah, Asgard and Thor and Odin and Atreus, spoiler alert, blah, 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 blah. That's all going to end this game. Like, we're going to get our answers. Weird, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a bit like you. Like, I'm torn. Because um, part of me, so I'm probably the only person in existence that didn't love how they set out God of War with regard to like the the design of the world in that it was so obvious because they had, they'd when you have like the world tree or whatever it's called, then you have those bridges to the different realms. It was so obvious that the next game was going to open up some of those bridges. And I didn't like, I didn't like that. If I can put it really crudely, it would almost be like in a GTA game, you walk to a bridge and then an invisible wall comes up with a thing across it and a, and a padlock and says like, not to the sequel. And, I just, and I'm like, I, that to me is, I didn't like it. I didn't like how they were laying out that world of like, oh, you can't go there yet. It just, it's too obvious, a um, like a cliffhanger or getting ready for a cliffhanger. And I'm not a fan of that in movies either. I like things to be... I quite like things to be like contained. And then if there's a bit of a cliffhanger or there's a bit of a, there might be another one, like that kind of works for me. But like I said, I was probably the only person who found that a little bit irritating in the, in the first game, but, I, but it totally makes sense. And I know where they've done it with hindsight. I can, I'm happy that they're going to fill in the rest of that world in the sequel. And I'm mm. not going to, and it's not going to happen again because that would have kind of sucked if they'd have said you get to open another two worlds, but then there's still another few worlds locked. But I think you're bang on. Like I was assuming there was going to be three games in the series. And I think like you just said, finishing it off in like Asgard as a separate entity altogether um, and having that as the third game and having that as the big battle would have been epic. And I don't feel like I'm ready for the story to be done after one right. more installment. Like Lo- uh, um, Atreus well, is... Uh, can, can we, have we passed the Statue of Limitations? On that? We must like, have done, right? Th- he says it in the trailer, doesn't he? I think... Uh, oh, I don't know. I didn't hear it. But see, but his story. How can that be done in one more game? Well, but, then maybe, but maybe this when maybe he says the, maybe this is the 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 Norse part. That's maybe the thing. that just means there's another part. Like so. there are that you get into like the whole like I'm not suggesting that smoke and mirrors, but like obviously I'd be very like 
unless they do some uh, weird cop-out shit where, like, the game ends and we get flash-forward cutscenes or visions of the future, like, they have a lot to answer to when it comes to Atreus's art for reasons that you, you know, gave one syllable of um, <laughs> just then. Um, especially, like, we mentioned last week, I think, I forget her name, uh, but the the uh, giant introduced at the very end of that trailer who gets that final voice line that you'll get all the answers uh, voice line. Um, if you know her role within the mythology of being the woman who eventually goes on to be the mother of Fenrir and and, and Jormungandr right. and so on and so forth, like that's a that's a fucking like a fifteen year old girl or whatever she is. So like, is the, without again this is speculation, so it can't be a spoiler. But like, is the bait and switch here that God of War Ragnarok is the end of Kratos's saga, and you know. Whether it's, you know, we have lots of threads. We have the adult life of Atreus that's unaccounted for. We have the introduction, for whatever reason, of Tyr, the Norse god of war, uh, to account for. Like, I'm not going to go, um, like, I'll put it this way. It doesn't seem like they're giving Kratos any new weapons, you know? Right. He's still just got Leviathan and, and the Blaze of Chaos. Is that because there's another playable character being prepared Maybe for oh, some no. part of Ragnarok or for a it's third game. It's the last of us part two all over again. Kratos is, is going to die is, in the first is, hour. Is there a bait and switch? Is <sighs> Thor actually going to retcon what we all thought about Norse legend and Mjolnir is actually going to be a golf club now? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. And, and um, I kind of want it to happen just to see the outrage. But yeah. Atreus is a lesbian and um, gets high <laughs> and takes <laughs> No, and you play um, the most of the game as uh oh god i don't even know who'd be the equivalent yeah I don't, I don't know if there's a point in the next trailer where kratos looks just past the camera and said do you really think i'd let you do this on your own we know we're in trouble <laughs> yeah um no but i look there, there, there wasn't much bullshit in the first I, I use bullshit in a positive way like kojima like when i talk about kojima bullshit it's good bullshit there wasn't much bullshit in in the first one and i thought like they didn't do any stupid cop-out stuff, like, and the reintroduction of, like, the uh, minor spoiler for God of War, the three years old now, but, like, the reintroduction of the Blade of Chaos and stuff like that, I thought that all of that was right. done pretty well for, like, how over-the-top or how corny they could it could have been. But, like, yeah, you have to wonder, like, is there more going on beneath the hood? Especially when, like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like, a lot of the tech looks like it's very much rooted in the original game, like, this is still a cross-generation game. They haven't gone, like, full-on eye-melting PS5 graphics with this. Still fundamentally a God of War game. You know, Kratos is going to have new abilities, and Atreus is slightly older and has new abilities, but, like, four or five years development time? Could there be a twist in the tale? We will see. I think one um, thing that this... I I think when I um, hear someone of like that as well is... Because you always think about what that studio is not making, and it does make me think, oh, do you know what? I would love to see them lend their hand to a different character in a, in a slightly different world, but utilizing some of the same stuff, some of the cool way that they presented God of War and that. And it doesn't, and it doesn't worry me if they say this is going to be the end of God of War for them um, for the time being, like in its entirety. If the idea they could be working on something else for the five years after that. Um, it kind of just gets me excited for a new for, like, for a new IP or something. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that. that I'm, I think. That is happening, right? That's, but that's that doesn't that kind of makes me happy that they're doing that. I don't necessarily want them to focus just on more like oh another God of War game would be you know okay that would be cool, but 
lend your, lend your uh, skills to some other, some other yeah, I tend to agree. Some other things. Especially like if they pull off Ragnarok, then then great. Um, yeah, lots to, lots to chew on, and uh, hopefully answers within the next twelve. No, twelve months is maybe. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I uh, hopefully answers within the next eighteen months. For fuck's sake, please don't make us wait that much longer. Um, but do you know what fans have to have, to have had to wait a little bit longer for? And they are uh, not best pleased about, uh, and that's uh, that's GTA Five, which um, haven't they had enough, Jamie? Well, see, it's interesting, Jonesy, because I like I don't know how you felt about the, like this past week in terms of how GTA Five went down, but like we watched that trailer, we thought, oh yeah, as we already knew, GTA Five is being re released on the next gen consoles. It's supposedly expanded and enhanced. It doesn't look that expanded or enhanced. And in our defense, when we were giving our hot takes last week, we did take the piss out of that trailer and say how said we mentioned how it didn't look much better, and we mentioned how things like instant switch times between the characters felt like odd text to throw up on screen and really highlighted how little they have to show for what their work they've done. But I didn't expect there to be quite the vitriolic reaction that it got online. And there are already some, you know, you know, especially when you look at like YouTubers and creators who are in that sort of like GTA five or Rockstar space, um, and sometimes just general sort of like controversial gaming news YouTubers, how they've piggybacked on this. And Rockstar are really I mean, not in a way that will ever affect the bottom line because Rockstar's Rockstar, but they're taking a bit of a beating on YouTube and on social media in a way that I hadn't really seen them take in quite some time, even with the memes about GTA Online being the reason GTA 6 hasn't come out yet. Were you, like, have you noticed any of that in your travels? And, and, and I, I guess, are you surprised that it's been quite as vitriolic as it has been? Or, or do you think they had it coming? I, do you know what? I hadn't seen any of it until you told me about it. Like, I was, I was, uh, I think I've, I've luckily sort of steered clear of it this last week. Um, I'm not surprised at anything about GTA Five or GTA Online at, at the moment because I feel like I have no idea what's going on with any of that. It feels like such an alien thing to me that I feel like I checked out after I finished that game and dabbled with the online stuff. But it's a weird community. It's a weird thing. It's like saying it's just going to keep going and going and going. So I suppose nothing's, nothing's surprising at this point. I guess. I guess not. It's, it's a bit weird in the sense of they're attacking Rockstar and they don't normally attack Rockstar, which is surprising in that it, sense. It feels like, I think for some people, Rockstar have just sort of like pushed pushed people as far as they're willing to go in terms of giving them a pass for GTA Online, giving them a pass for only releasing one video game in the last eight years now, um, giving them a pass for re-releasing GTA Five once again. But I think the fact that like, this re-release is coming out. Um, it's been delayed to March when yeah. it's meant to come out this fall. It's presumably going to be full price. It's another iteration of a game that sold over 100 million copies. And people noticed in this trailer there are like weird things where like there are um, uh, no reflections for some reason in, in the car mirrors in this one one scene where there sh- where there should have been. And there's like this right. glitch in the trailer where Lester is sitting on two chairs at once, and like there are weird bugs and errors in this. A trailer that even when you put it side by side with the previous version of the game doesn't even look different so people are saying like what's going on what's enhanced why is it taking so long why did it get delayed and how why do you expect us to spend money on it yeah and i think traditionally the advice would just be if you don't want to spend money on it don't spend money on it but now people are saying no not only do i not want to spend money on it but you doing this is the reason you're not pushing yourself or creating things in the same way you used to and that's why people are getting pissed off I, but I think that's I think that's fair enough. I think the the idea that we would have 
you know, we would have seen GTA 6 by now had it not been for GTA Online, I think is is probably true. And I think this is just another example of them sort of flogging um, the GTA 5 horse to try and get some more cash out of it. And it, yeah, yeah I, I get it. Like, I, I would love to be playing a GTA 6 in the next year two years i mean their their pr cycle is usually so long i mean the idea the idea that we're going to have to wait for such a bloody long time for gta 6 given that we've not even heard anything about it seen anything about it is yeah every time they don't mention anything to do with it it does kind of make you think you know when and then then they say oh but it's another gta 5 and you're like we're done with that karma aren't we aren't we done with that can't we move on well if uh if youtube is anything to go by i think people more or less are by the time you get a, uh, your very own Hitler reacts to um, to your <laughs> new trailer, you know that uh, you might be in hot water with at least some portions of the internet. Um, but at the end of the day, Jonesy, we are largely talking, as is often the case when it comes to video games, about incredibly rich people uh, becoming incredibly richer. And that was the case with another news story that I thought we'd uh, loop back around to and finish off this podcast with, because we touched on this uh, court case a couple of times while the proceedings were in motion and while the uh, two sides of the the case were presenting their various bits and pieces of juicy evidence and shooting shots at each other from over from across these their billion dollar um filings um and that is the case of epic versus apple that um that all kicked off god when was it was it last year the year before i don't even remember but um yeah no god it's been ages isn't it yeah, it seems, like, think, it seems like it's been dragging on forever, but um, I am listening to you. I'm going to have to find a cable because my headphones are about to die. So keep talking. Oh, okay. I, while, while Jonesy finds his cable because his headphones are about to die, you, the lucky listener, are going to get to me talk about kind of the situation behind Epic versus Apple, sort of how it started, because I had to, had to remind myself, and uh, what has happened now that the ruling has been revealed. So... As Jonesy and I were saying, it was about a year or two ago now, maybe just a year, there was a situation where Epic were basically growing increasingly frustrated that no matter how much money their big uh, cash cow Fortnite was making them, they apparently wanted more still. And one of the ways they perhaps weren't making as much money as they felt like they could have was uh, via microtransactions and uh, various other purchases, Battle Pass purchases and so on and so forth, um, on iOS, on Apple's App Store. Because basically Apple have a system where any app that has further in-app purchases, it has to be done through their system so they can take a big cut. And Epic were like, no, if we're going to make money, we want to make all the money. So Epic uh, intentionally put a workaround in there where you can essentially buy V-Bucks and so on and so forth directly through Epic, despite the fact that the app was still being hosted by Apple's App Store. Um, and Apple were like, that's against the terms of service you agreed to. We're going to take Fortnite off the App Store. And so they did. As worth noting, I think Epic also did it on the Google Play Store, um, and Google responded the same way. And then Epic were like, that's not fair. You, you've got a monopoly. And Apple were like, we don't have a monopoly. What are you going to do about it? And Epic were like, we're going to take you to court, and we're going to use all the V-Bucks money to fund a multi-million dollar lawsuit against you that probably won't end in anything good for either of us, but boy, is it going to get people talking about this issue. Um, turns out, Jonesy... Uh, one short year later, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yes. Um, well, they, so, uh, they tried to frame it as well, because I, I, I think with Epic, one thing they did try and do is they tried to frame this as though they were the good guys who were trying totally. to hand pass on uh, savings to their consumers 
Um, and then they were like, we're the good guys, Apple are the bad guys, this is what we're trying to do, which is, eh, you know, I think it's yeah. a bit, it gets quite funny when you start to get to that sort of point because it was obvious that they were all just after the dollar bill show as opposed to like, well, that's how well, it yeah. seemed anyway. Which is, I think, even weirdly been reflected after the rulings come out because I think it was Jason Schreier who noted on Twitter that a lot of outlets were kind of writing headlines that almost, if you just kind of glanced over them, painted Epic as the winner uh, uh, of this ruling, of this of this suit, when in fact, um, in almost the entirety of cases, that is not the case. Epic lost on almost all counts. Uh, it, it was a victory for Apple um, in terms of the actual the suit itself. Epic have been ordered to pay Apple six million dollars, and the judge determined uh, once everything was said and done that Apple do not have a monopoly. The issue, though, for Apple, and the reason why some people think this is perhaps or at least try to portray it as more of a win for Epic than it perhaps actually was in a direct sense, is that Apple have been ordered to allow developers to add, quote, buttons, external links, or other calls to action that direct customers to purchasing mechanisms, i.e. the judge has determined that the fact that Apple allow, uh, um, you know, they, they host these apps or games or whatever it is for these various companies that then uh, users are allowed to access through Apple's App Store, that the idea that Apple then have to basically have a say over every purchase that happens beyond that point and it has to go through their system and they have to take a cut, that's what the judge wants to see reverted, which is, I think, a big... I mean, I, it feels like a big loss for Apple, right? Um, I, I don't know if it does, because when I first read it, I thought it sounded like a big loss for Apple. But then it, it, when I when I read up about Epic, have then said the judgment is unfair and they're going to fight it because what they were sort of saying was even having the, like including buttons, links, other calls to action with inside of the apps on the App Store doesn't put them on par with... Uh, the the way you would pay in the app through right. Apple, like it's still going to be easier for people to because just hit the pay button. In at the this point, at this point, with Face ID and stuff like that, I think if you try and do an in-app purchase, if I if it's the same as downloading an app, you basically just have to double tap the side of your phone while you're fucking looking at it, and it's like you've spent the money. Which of course right. is Epic will still feel at a disadvantage when Apple have their ease of use, right? Exactly, because if you've got to send someone into another way of going into a store to then use, and you know, maybe put in card details or maybe do something different, effectively like logging into a third-party site to pay for something, yeah, so many people aren't going to do it. They're just going to do the quick, easy one, which is going to be to use the in-app purchases. Um, so I can kind of see why Epic are saying that this isn't a win for them. And it is, but at the same time, it is a little bit of a loss for Apple because they are being told, no, you do have to say there are other ways that people can um, put money into this. And especially mm. if it is cheap, if you can see that it's a lot cheaper through um, doing it in, in, in another way, clicking on a button going through, then I then I guess that that will take some money off of Apple. But as from what I've read, Apple have pretty much said they're happy with what's happened. They think it's a win. Epic have said they're not happy and they're gonna they've filed an appeal. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a this is a loss. It does seem to be a loss for Epic and a, and a win for Apple at this point. Like even even beyond just the monetary stuff, the the adding buttons and external links does seem to be a bit of a I don't know a bit of a would you say like a fart in the wind of something that's not going to make that much yeah. difference. No, I, th I think you're probably right. And to be honest, I think when it comes to the sheer size and the magnitude and the earnings potential of either of these companies, I feel like just about any ruling would have ultimately been rendered a fart in the wind because as I feel I feel like we ended up making this point just about every time we talk about companies like Epic and Apple Epic, Epic, 
Apple and Epic. Apple. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Apple. <laughs> Apple and Epic sounds quite good. Um, we are, we, you know, when Epic are ordered to pay $6 million, I mean, it's like, it's like, what are we even talking about here? Like, how quickly does Fortnite make that amount of money for them? I don't even want to know, but yeah. So one thing, is, yeah, because that, so one thing I read was that the, the, the money they were ordered to pay, I think the six million, constituted 30% of the money they made through the app for the two months um, that they would like covered this off. So then you say, okay, that's 30% for two months. So they haven't, they, I think they made like $12 million um, in, uh, in that period or something like that is the way they worked it out. But reality, it'll be a case of going, you've got to pay $6 million. And they're like, hold on. Okay. I've just made $6 million. Yeah, exactly. uh, I have his effect. Like, yeah, it's nothing when it monetary wise, is it? Yeah. Which is probably why they are, um, continuing to appeal and continuing to fight this, despite the fact that it was, you know, a pretty solid victory for Apple by most accounts, because, they can afford to, and um, as you said, they have uh, on many occasions in the past put a bit of a PR spin on all of this and tried to make it look like a pro-gamer, pro-choice kind of move. So um, they're probably going to continue doing that um, while partitioning money here and there to continue to put weird characters in Fortnite that probably also somehow makes them even more money. Remember to sign into Fortnite now and buy your, again, I don't know, what's the latest skin? But, oh, did uh... you see Mike, Mike Lowry's in it now? <laughs> It's oh, no, he, is it? Yeah, okay, he is. Cool. But it's like the funny thing is, it's not even Will Smith. It's just Mike Lowry. And it's like a generic oh. Mike Lowry. It looks a little bit like Will Smith, but it's not Will Smith. <laughs> That's weird. He's called Mike Lowry, doesn't like Will Smith. That's strange. I'll have to well, it's like, it's like it's like Mike Lowry, but they clearly haven't got like the Will Smith the, the license. license. Or like, haven't but tried, he is so. Mike Lowry, so that doesn't... Do you know what I mean? Actually, do you know what? Maybe, they did, like maybe they did get the Mike Will Smith license. I've got to see it, it, it does look a lot like Will Smith. But it doesn't. They didn't use Will Smith's name in any of it, which I guess maybe why would you? Because they don't. They didn't do that with John Wick or anything. So I don't know. But oh, yeah. it does. It well looks like him. It does look like him. I, I take it back. I take it, it seems back. a bit. It seems a bit mean to not include Marcus. Is Marcus not in there? Maybe Mar- they don't Marcus want an association Burnett. with um with uh you know who Martin Lawrence. Oh, um, did he get? Did he get cancelled or something? Well, it can't have been that bad because he came back for Bad Boys for Life. But there was a period in the middle there where I think he was a crazy person. I think he ran into the middle of traffic with a gun. Um, what? Okay. That's yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know. Martin Lawrence turned out maybe had a few screws loose at some point in time. He got arrested. Oh, not this reckon, actually happened in the 90s. Do you reckon he sung? Here we he go. arrested. He was like, bad boys, bad boys. What are you going to do? It turns out that the answer to the question, what are bad boys going to do, are become increasingly erratic and be arrested after he brandished a pistol in the middle of an intersection on Ventura Boulevard in Los Angeles, screaming, they're trying to kill me. <laughs> he was again hospitalized with his public relations agent, citing exhaustion and dehydration as the reasons for the episode. Jonesy, I don't know about you, but I do some crazy things when I get dehydrated, like running into the middle of an intersection, branching a pistol, screaming, they're trying to kill me. Do you know what he needed? He needed a little simple glass of H2O. And he would have been fine. They're never, ever going to get as good as Coney. Was it Coney? Coney 2012. Coney 2012, the guy that did Coney 2012 when it all took off. Oh, he went crazy. He got naked and ran and was like jerking off in the street, wasn't he? Wasn't that what he did? Allegedly. 
I actually I think, like, allegedly, yeah, I think when we exhaust um, our options he- in terms of celebrity murderers, <laughs> I think we'd, like, like if it's known murderers, like, maybe next one's known meltdowns or something like that, and it's just, oh, like, yeah. celebrities who fully lost the plot. Because then we could have done a Britney episode and got in on that trend, and, you know, there's, you know, everyone was talking about Britney, and there was the whole movement, and we could have been a part of that movement. Well, I, d- I never understand why people who who just lose it in the middle, in public, just get naked. That They always seem to get feels naked. Feels good, man. Feels good. Maybe have you ever, like, Do you ever, like, sometimes, like, maybe, like, you've just got out of the shower and you, like, momentarily sit down or lie down or something like that, and you're, like, for the first time in ages, you're completely naked in bed, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> the duvet touching my dick feels amazing. And you, you didn't know because it had been so long since you'd done it because you didn't really have a reason to do it. I, I can't say I've had that recently. I'm, I should need to try it. Do yourself a favour and this evening, and like, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not one of those people that will vouch for the like sleeping naked because I just don't like the idea of like, like you wash your sheets, don't get me wrong, but like I don't like the idea of me going to bed on a Tuesday night, spending fucking 12 hours rolling around with my arsehole on my dick, <laughs> touching my like bed sheets. And then I can't just go to sleep on Wednesday night, like rolling around in that again. Like I see, I see. Do you know what I mean? But, but, but like as a momentary thing, like 10 seconds, just get completely naked. And this goes to anyone out there. I don't know if it works the same way for women, actually. It might not be, I don't know. Try it out, get completely naked and just get in bed. And just pull the covers over you, and just like, yeah, it's kind of gnarly. Okay, and uh, I've just been informed by uh, a a Discord message that Jonesy's uh, headphones have gone, which I believe he means that he didn't find the wire that he was looking for. Now he can't hear me speak, so I'm going to do like slightly more animated hand gestures to let him know that I am basically now in the process of wrapping this up. <laughs> So, oh no, he he now wants time. He wants two seconds. So I guess I'm prolonging this podcast even more. If you listen to the audio version of this podcast, this is probably a dream come true. I have no idea what this uh, sounds like to you. But um, I was actually going to do something really cool there. I was basically going to end the podcast and mime it at the same time so Jonesy could tell and then he was going to wave and everything was going to be hunky-dory. Now I'm just talking to myself while Jonesy plugs his headphones back in. And he's the problem is, and like this is where, you know, we run into a little bit of trouble. Jones is going to plug his headphones back in. He's going to be able to hear me again, only to realise that we were done. There was, there's nothing more to say. So, like, I'm just going to, as soon as he Hello. registers that he can hear me, which he can now hear me, I'm just going to. But like, what, would, I was just going to end the podcast. Why did we need that runaround? Like, what, what, there's nothing else to talk about. Well, I, I wasn't sure where it was going. I was like, I just need to make, I, I, I thought I could, you know when you drive your car and then the gauge is getting to like nearly empty on the fuel thing, I was getting excited about how my headphones were beeping. I was like, I'm going to make it all the way to the end. And I, I can't not be there at the end. Come on now. True. Actually, you do need to be able to say goodbye. Um, how about a little uh, little message that people can leave in the comment section down below if they've made it this far? Uh, we could, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think what we talked about. We could go... We could keep it fresh, keep it with, stick it with Martin Lawrence, and just put a simple uh, "They're trying to kill me" um, or something like that, <laughs> or something to do with "I just need a glass of H two O." I just needed a yeah. glass of H two O. Yeah. Okay. Or, what about or, if or they something, tell or something to do with uh, being completely naked in bed? Yes. When was the last time? Just put a, just put a length of time. When was the last time your naked body touched your sheets? Yeah, just and put, and tell us. Was it a life change? Not a life changing experience, but was it exhilarating? Was there a moment? And don't you know? Don't shit me here. Like, be honest. Was there a moment when you thought, "Oh my god, this is great"? 
I can't sleep like this because I've got a scrotum. But oh, this is great. Um, I'm actually going to look forward to reading those replies. Josie, Lovely. You see my convinced. No, I'm me too. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see. There we go. See you might even say. get a, a comment of the week, and that will be determined when we are back this time next week. Chris will still be in Greece. So um, fair warning, it will be Jonesy and I again. But this time, we have the benefit of seven days' notice. We may or may not be able to organise a sneaky guest. And that is not a tease, because I do actually mean it when I say may or may not. I have no fucking (laughs) clue. We haven't even discussed it. But you know what? There are people out there who I'm sure will be willing to lend their voice to the podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to acquire one of them and come back for more riveting game discussions and gaming news for you all. That place to be, it's Super Show on YouTube. If you're already watching us there, make sure you're subscribed with the notification bell on so you don't miss any of our future episodes. If you're listening to us on a podcasting platform of your choice, you might feel inclined to leave a rating, maybe five stars. If you're feeling extra generous, I don't know. Go with your gut and... uh, and hey, tell your friends about the Super Show. Tell your family about the Super Show. Tell everyone you know about the Super Show. That actually rhymes. There you go. I'm kind of proud of that. That seems like a good note as any to end it on. Thank you all so much for listening and or watching. And uh, thank you, Jonesy, for being my partner in crime on this one. Bad thank voice you, for Thank you, Jamie, life. for hosting. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.